The following is an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio Digital Media. Brought to you by Brown and Wood, Buick GMC, Cadillac and Mazda. Hey Pirate Nation, this is Tom Brown from Brown and Wood Buick GMC Truck. We've been serving the Pirate Nation in Eastern North Carolina for 83 years. We have four brands, three generations, two showrooms, and one goal to make sure you leave a happy customer. We're located on Greenville Boulevard next to the Convention Center or shop us online at brownandwoodauto.com. The following is an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. Welcome to Pirate Radio Live. You can paint this with purple. Now live from the Pirate Radio studios in the heart of the Pirate Nation, here is your host, Clip Brock. Hello and welcome into a Tuesday edition of Pirate Radio Live. Beautiful day in eastern North Carolina and we are coming to you today. All across Eastern North Carolina on Pirate Radio 92.7 FM in Greenville, 104.1 in Washington. We are on 1250. You can find us on 930. You can go online, PR927FM.com. Or watch the program on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Make sure you're subscribed to Pirate Radio TV on YouTube because we have a ton of great videos up there, including what goes on during the week at the press conferences. You can watch Mike Houston. Uh, the coordinators on Wednesdays, uh, some players, and uh, more, and their interviews in their entirety on our YouTube page at Pirate Radio TV. It's all there for you. Uh, we got a big show on tap for you today. Coming up in about 15 or 20 minutes, we will get the two-lane side of Saturday's game between the Pirates and the Green Wave. We'll go out to the Fixed NC Live line and talk to J.P. Gooderham from the Fear the Wave blog. Nice little uh, Twitter follow there. If you want to know what's going on at Tulane and around the country, nice info, good sense of humor. So we'll have a, a good chat coming up on Tulane football coming up in hour number one. The big man on campus will give his thoughts on ECU Tulane and the rest of week five of the college football slate. Pretty good slate this weekend. Now that I'm looking through the games, we'll talk about them with Jeff Nadeau coming up later on in hour number one. Kevin Monroe joins us at four o'clock to break down what he saw on Saturday as the Pirates were able to escape Charleston Southern. Much tougher task this week with Tulane coming to town. We'll talk about that with Kevin Monroe, as uh, he'll be in a good mood. His Cowboys were victorious last night over the Eagles. We'll, uh, we'll touch on that and more with Camo. And at around 440, Stephen Igo joins us. Hoistthecolors.net. We will talk Pirates, make some picks, talk a little NFL. His Mariners are not only alive, but I think control their own destiny at this point. Uh, we'll talk about it with Igo, but nobody's talking about Seattle because everybody is focused on Boston, New York, and Toronto as far as the wild cards go. But we'll uh, we'll talk about the MLB playoff races with Igo, and uh, we'll do it here in just a couple minutes as well. Some Mike Houston comments from his press conference earlier today. We'll sprinkle some of those in in hour one, two, and three as well so that is what we got on tap for this tuesday also you can be a part of the show by chiming in on twitter facebook live or give us a call 317-1250 we've got uh steve hill in the facebook live chat saying clipper, clipper. robert matthews says go parrots is he saying pirates in a funny way, or is that a reference I'm not getting? I don't know. 
And uh, Steve also says big series tonight in Atlanta. The Philadelphia Phillies in town. Braves trying to clinch the East this week, or the Phillies trying to get closer to the NFC, in, uh, NL East crown and make it to the playoffs. Intern Jalen, intern Macon here as well, putting in the hard work on a Tuesday. And let's start our rundown with East Carolina and Tulane. The line right now sitting at four. Tulane, a favorite coming here to Greenville this weekend. The total is in the 60s. Where's all the offense coming from? I guess the bookmakers in Vegas think East Carolina will have some sort of explosion, probably in just one of the quarters, because that's what we've been seeing from ECU football uh, over the uh, 2021 season thus far. A big fourth quarter at Marshall, a big second quarter against Charleston Southern. Outside of that, eh, it's been rough for the Pirates uh, on offense thus far this season. So uh, Tulane minus four total in the 60s they're thinking a close shootout at dowdy ficklin stadium this weekend surely let's hear mike houston cut one his opening comments from earlier today as he uh talked about getting ready for the green wave all right exciting week this week uh big home football game for our program uh you know it's always always exciting when you get to conference play and you know certainly being a member of the uh, american conference uh, uh you know what kind of league we play in uh, the quality of the teams in our league. And so, uh, you know, to, to start off with one at home, I think is, uh, you know, is certainly a big plus for us. Uh, it's going to be an exciting weekend. You know, weather in the Greenville area is, uh, you know, I think we all appreciate this, this weather this time of the year better than, uh, you know, what we had there in August and early September with the heat. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a great, uh, great weekend, 3.30 kickoff. Uh, very good Tulane team coming in here. Um, so, you know, excited to, uh, you know, welcome Pirate Nation back, uh, and, and, you know, for another home game. I, I thought the stadium, you know, last Saturday night was just incredible. You know, I thought, uh, you know, the, the fan base and the student section uh, certainly were a positive impact on the game for our, our roster and our players uh, and just really appreciate their support, especially the student section. I mean, that's, you know, it's, uh, it's been a couple of years since we had it like that. And so, uh, you know, just it was, it was great to see and uh, looking forward to having everybody back this Saturday at 3.30. All right, Mike Houston wants to see the fans at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium making some noise on Saturday. This is a huge game for the 2021 East Carolina football season. And I try to not be hyperbolic or make huge, bold claims that I'll have to walk back later. But I think this is a pivotal game for the Mike Houston era with East Carolina football because you you think about the wins he's gotten and really two big wins to this point, SMU at home last year to cap it off and Marshall on the road and come from behind fashion, his his first real big road win and Pirates were big underdogs in that game. That was a a monster win a couple weeks ago. But uh, not a lot of key like signature wins and – and a lot of losses mixed in there. And you think about what the Pirate fans have seen that have gone to Dowdy Ficklin Stadium this year uh, and just an ugly offensive performance against South Carolina. Still could have won the game at the end, but it ends in a loss. You had all the concession issues with workers not showing up. So just not a pleasurable experience for people there. Uh, you think about Saturday. It was a beautiful weather day. Great tailgate. Fans were loud into it. And the team got the win, but 
laid an egg in the process. And uh, I saw some people say concessions were better. Some said it was the same as it was the first game. So uh, two home games in 2021, two really not entertaining experiences. It's uh, at the end of the day, you know, entertainment and people want to spend money to be entertained and have fun. And yeah, it sounds like people had fun on Saturday, but also the game itself uh, could have gone a lot better if you are a, uh, a pirate fan. So now people will once again head out to Dowdy Ficklin Stadium and uh, and see this team play an equal right now in the American. Tulane's kind of been in the middle of the AAC while East Carolina's been in the bottom trying to climb the ladder up to the middle of the American. And, and this is a game in year three that you would hope and think Mike Houston and his football team could win at home against Tulane. And if you do that... Boy, you set yourself up for what could be a very good 2021 with a lot of winnable games left on the schedule. But if you don't, uh, you're behind the eight ball in 2021. And and maybe it's more of a pivotal game for Mike Houston that if they lose by double digits or if they get blown out because fans are already, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I'm starting to see a, a little bit of, you know, is, is Mike Houston really the guy at ECU? I mean, I still think he can get it done here, but – there's a lot of people on the fence about that or getting closer to getting on the fence about that. And a loss here, especially a blowout loss, would really be a lot of steps back from the progress we thought we were seeing and that we are seeing with two wins now on the schedule. So I don't know. I, I just think this is a monster game, not only for this year, but for the Mike Houston era coming up this Saturday. And if the Pirates are able to win it, uh, there's going to be a lot of excited people for not only what happens on Saturday, but for the remainder of 2021. Chandler, how important is this game on Saturday for East Carolina? It's very important. I mean, I think you hit it right on the head there. And, uh, I mean, people are ready to see change. People are ready to see that step forward. And we have uh, here and there, especially with that SMU game in the year last year, the Marshall game was a, a great game to get back on track, to get fans back on track, to get into the stadium against Charleston Southern. And uh, like you said, the Pirates just kind of laid an egg in that in that win. And we'll take a win and we'll take going two and two in the month of September. But, yeah, you want to get ahead and you want to go 500 for the first time since 2014. So uh, this is a very important game for the Pirates. And they I think they have to come out fast. They have to come out and punch them in the mouth and set a tone early. And uh, I think it's also going to be important for the people to come back to Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. You know, I know the concession stands has been a disappointment and the operations as a whole has been a disappointment in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium so far this year. But I really wish the fans can come out in full force, uh, the students as well, and really make that 12th man impact and help the Pirates get the win on Saturday. Uh, appears it's going to be another good weather day. It's a great kickoff time. I think the fans will show up ready to go, and I just hope the team can give them something to be excited about, both uh, offensively and defensively, but but even more so offensively. Uh, Absolutely. Just to, to get it rolling, get some points on the board, make it look smooth, uh, get some fun football at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. So Tulane will be ready. I know that. Uh, they... They are desperate right now uh, for a win after a 1-3 and three start. They haven't beat an FBS opponent yet. I mean, maybe we can hope Tulane is just bad, but I don't think that's the case uh, because of the competition they've played. Even their loss to UAB, that's a good team. Now, I know 
their fans and and i too think they should be able to beat uab at home yeah. as long as uh willie fritz has been there they have an established quarterback in pratt but we they, watched him go toe-to-toe against oklahoma in I, week one i think everybody saw that and at that time was like all right well we're not going to beat Tulane here at ecu but that was one of those games where they had a lot of emotions uh and let's face it oklahoma is not like world beaters this year no uh, at all they had to struggle on saturday against west virginia to pick up a win against west virginia the week before that they struggled to beat nebraska and so they have uh, been in a lot of close games this year i want lincoln Riley fire tonight tonight uh so this will be a good one we'll talk about it with uh the fear the wave blog dudes coming up and just dudes dude. do we have dude shirley dude dude did you load dude dude i want to hear dude i want to hear dude 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 <laughs> i don't know who is that dude dude, dude. that is the uh intro to captain bill's call the other night dude. oh is it really <laughs> on the dude. it was great to have him back on the show well great terrible but, depends I mean, on it, your perspective yeah and, and uh it usually doesn't mean a good thing <laughs> dude dude uh, so yeah, I had to get that for the. We <laughs> saw Malcolm at tiebreakers sure on did. Sunday, watching NFL. And sorry, Malcolm, but all I can talk about now when I see you is that. And uh, he uh, he he does like that it's getting played on pirate radio. He enjoys it. So, oh, really? Yeah, he's he's okay with it. He's if he says that's enough guys if he says to us <laughs> that's enough guys be could, quiet could you be quiet please thank you we'll stop playing it but until then we're gonna keep playing that and we're gonna keep playing dude, dude. moving along manning night football another I, great night i saw the uh the worst news i've received maybe my entire life that the mannings aren't returning uh oh, wait a minute. That tweet has been deleted. The tweet has been deleted. Why would they not return? I saw a tweet last night from uh Richard Deesh, whatever his name is, that like <laughs> Richard Dude. <laughs> uh have you talked to your fiduciary lately? I have not. I need okay. to talk to my fiduciary. Yeah. Um I saw a tweet that said Manning Night Football would not be returning until like week seven and i didn't cry but i was pretty damn close to it this was the second time yesterday i almost cried the first time when i was on the phone with ruffin mcneil but i held it together and then last night when i heard that manning night football uh was going on hiatus but now i see that tweet's been deleted so maybe that was false advertising i, I don't know i hope so because it just keeps getting better you and haven't better. seen anything else from that have you I don't know. I'll have to. Uh, oh that, no! Uh, that would be a stinger. All right, Peyton Manning and Eli taking a break from the broadcast. They'll be back week seven. So it's something personal with them. I mean, they. No, I don't. Are, they personally want to take a break? Maybe it had something to do with Eli Manning double birding uh, oh, America last yeah. night. No, it doesn't have anything to do with that. Okay um but it uh Double once bird. again is awesome and it's something i look forward to now on mondays that i will not have i'll just have to watch crappy regular monday night football moving forward that stinks i don't, I don't think i'm gonna watch monday night football at all <laughs> yeah i'm out i'm totally out no by, mannings i'm out by the way was it a different vibe with the panthers not playing last it was time? a way different <laughs> vibe homie <laughs> 
But uh, I enjoyed it again last night, and I can't wait for week seven. I, I tell you what, uh, Jeff Charles used to always say, the guests make the show. And I'm telling you, I, the Mannings are great, but now the guests they have on there are awesome. They had LeBron James on there last night talking about his potential football career that in the 2011 lockdown with the NBA that they he did get offers from Jerry Jones and I think Pete Carroll. from Pete Carroll in Seattle to play football so I thought that was a pretty good uh pretty cool tidbit there um so the guests that they've had on so far Nick have been Saban awesome. last night uh Chris Long and Matthew Stafford they had your guy Matt Stafford on there too God. He would look great in burgundy and gold, I'll tell you that. Robert says, what's up with the Eli middle finger? Uh, Eli was explaining that when he went to Philadelphia to play road games, he would get the double bird from nine-year-old kids and said, can I do it? I guess uh, they can just they can blur it out, right? And just shot the double bird right mm. to uh, the audience, and now it's everywhere. Eli. Dude! Dude! What are you doing? Eli is so likable. He and uh, well, Peyton. He he's funny. Pey- yeah, because and there funny was looking. There, <laughs> there was a scene where they were showing some sort of helmet, uh, some weird looking Cowboys helmet up in the stands, and and it was a rather large helmet. And he Eli made a comment that said, "Hey, there's a helmet that Peyton might actually be able to fit." <laughs> Eli was doing his Dak Prescott hip swirl warm ups. Yes, and um, Peyton Manning talked about his. Uh, what do you call it? Like his eight-year-old boy jeans? <laughs> like they were going back and forth. They had Archie on last night. He was critiquing uh, Peyton for a lot of different things. So they, they are America's family right now. America's the family. We are covering all, America's team. We are all Mannings uh, at this point. So uh, LeBron, like I'm gonna really miss it. LeBron, like threw his high school quarterback under the bus, saying that if he had a better high school quarterback, that he probably would have went into the football career well eli mentioned it and well maybe i think i thought i think it was eli that mentioned it and i thought lebron was just going to ignore it but then he went on and said yeah if i had a better qb i might have stuck with football wow uh all right we need to take a break we'll talk mlb playoff races coming up later on in the program we will talk tulane football when we return by the way that yellow-bellied chicken liver traitor coward dude Corey Glore will join us on Thursday. So you will hear from Corey Glore this week. (laughs) Forgot we had that one. I hope he has a flight from New Orleans and that he lands uh, safe. We'll talk to Corey about that. We just need to punk Corey on Thursday. Let's get all his embarrassing moments, his voice cracks, all that stuff. Um coming up for thursday uh we'll talk to the guys from the fear the wave blog coming up next on the program when we return on pirate radio live after these words Listening to Hour One of Pirate Radio Live. Do you need custom t shirts, apparel, or promotional items for your business, organization, or event? Keep it local. Print it local with University Sportswear. Contact them today at University Sportswear ENC.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back. You've worked hard to start your business and are working even harder to make it successful, and that's why it's important to have a bank in your corner when you need them. As the business world throws you curveballs, Select Bank and Trust is here to be responsive to your needs. Their team of 
of local bankers can make local decisions and cares about you, the customer. Get the business services that are right for your business today with Select Bank and Trust. Bank local, bank select. Now let's head back in to Pirate Radio Live. Here's Clip Brock. All right, back with you on Pirate Radio Live here on a Tuesday. Got the big man on campus, Jeff Nadeau, joining us next segment. We'll talk ECU Tulane and Week 5 college football from a gambling perspective. Kevin Monroe joins us at 4 o'clock, the former Pirate and current color analyst for the Pirates, and Stephen Igo at 440 right now. We'll take a closer look at Tulane. We'll do it on Thursday with the uh, treasonous scum, Corey Glore. But right now, we will talk to J.P. Gooderham from the Fear the Wave blog. He joins us on the Fixed NC Live line. J.P., welcome back. How you doing, man? Really excited to be here. Thanks for having me again. Let's uh, talk about the Green Wave. And uh, I think we, as uh, sports people, like to kind of just look at at numbers and, and scores and come to our own conclusions and i think there's a going to be a lot of people jp that go into this game with with different feelings on tulane a lot of people saw what they did against oklahoma and almost pull out that win and people probably set in their minds that day that uh uh-oh tulane will probably come to greenville and beat the pirates there's some people that didn't see that game that are going to see the one and three record and the only win against an fcs team and say oh okay well the pirates are going to beat tulane on saturday so the truth is somewhere there in the middle jp how do you kind of recap the first four games of the start of the 2021 season for the green wave Oh, yeah. You know, I think I go through that roller coaster of emotions on a daily basis at this point with this team. I mean, it has been dramatic, right? You think about going and playing and, you know, Tulane was was basically evacuated from New Orleans. They were in Birmingham, Alabama. We had no idea if this Oklahoma game was even going to happen. It gets moved from New Orleans to, to Norman. And then for Tulane to show up where, I mean, they were supposed to take a beating. They were like a 32-point underdog. And it ends up being a five-point game where Tulane had a chance to win on the last drive. And you're thinking, okay, this is the year that, you know, Willie Fritz has done such an incredible job of elevating Tulane from the basement of the AAC and before that Conference USA into being this very solid six-win, seven-win team for the last three years. You're thinking this is the year where they really can take the next big step. And then reality starts to set in when you look at the two games that just happened that have now set Tulane up with a 1-3 and three record. Uh, and that was a 40-point loss at Ole Miss in a game where we had very high hopes based on what we had seen from the first two weeks of the season. And then to a lesser extent, you know, Tulane losing to a very good UAB team. And to me, it is not shocking that Tulane could lose that game to UAB. That's a team that's won two league titles in the last three years. They won a division title in the other year. I mean, it's an exceptional program under Bill Clark. But I think it did show you some of the concerns we have about where this team has been defensively, about some of the consistency that they've been able to have on offense, and even some injury situations with this team. So, you know, you've got a 2-2 two and two ECU. You've got a 1-3 and three two lane. And I think both of these teams are really hungry for a win, and it's going to be a battle. A pivotal game for each for the 2021 season. Tulane, uh, with that one and three star, needs to stack some wins if they want to get to another bowl. East Carolina looking for their first bowl appearance since 2014, JP. So uh, we'll take any win any way we can get it. Although last week against Charleston Southern, zero style points for the Pirates in that victory to get to two and two on the year. JP, how much is the there's a difference between a, like a reason for something and an excuse for something. How much is the 
the the terrible hurricane that rolled through there you know used as a reason for this start and being displaced and everything kind of being out of whack i mean that's that's a legitimate ex- reason for tulane to not be focused 100 percent on football how much is are you giving tulane a pass uh, for that well, you know, that's been a narrative, right? And, and I was listening to the press conference after the, the UAB loss, and, and people were, were asking about that. And they're not even now back to normal. The team got to come back to New Orleans Monday of last week, and I think most players were, were still basically in a hotel room, but now a hotel room in New Orleans. It's nice being back and being home, you know what I mean? And I really feel for the players who are, you know, going and playing some really good teams, but I'll say this, that the team really has not leaned on that as an excuse, really. I think that their belief is that this is a team that, that has the talent to compete with the best in the AEC, and they want to show it. I think that the bigger thing, you know, as we think about what we're looking for next year is what can the team start to do to adjust from some of the issues that they've been seeing? You know, mm. I think a lot of Tulane fans have been frustrated with the performance defensively. Uh, I think that was a, a big issue, especially with missed tackles. And I think that's one of the things is, you know, they're kind of have their first week of normalcy this week. They want to see a really solid, hungry, disciplined two-lane team show up in Greenville. And I think that's the question that we're asking as we, we circle this game. Uh, let's talk Michael Pratt. Uh, boy, the touchdown-interception ratio looks good at 10-2. to 2, But how has, uh, has Pratt looked overall this season, JP? You know, I think Michael Pratt is one of the real kind of hallmark guys for this this program right now where Tulane fans are, are really excited about where he can take this program. He is a, a second-year player. He played most of last year as a starter. And I think that, you know, he does a number of things really well. I think he started to really tap into some of these uh, talented receivers that Tulane has, guys like Deuce Watts. Uh, I think he's been able to really leverage tight ends like Tyreek James and, and Will Wallace. I think that on that level, he's been a really, you know, he's shown a lot as a passer, but he's also shown a lot in his ability to, to, to run, right? I think for him, there's kind of two big aspects that I look at as we think about ECU. One is that we know he's banged up. The storyline the week before UAB was that even though he started that game and played, I believe, every single play, I don't think he really took snaps in practice that week, that it actually came to the third-string quarterback, Kai Horton, uh, based on comments that Fritz made after the game. So I think that's the first thing is the health and just him coming in and and having that working for him. And I think the second thing is also just making some of those reads and decisions. You know, he's a guy who likes to pick the ball up and and take it himself and kind of call his own number, and it can put him in harm's way. I think being able to, in the run-pass option, make the handoff, work the defense in some other ways, throw the check-down throws, those are all things that are important not just to sustain his career here, but also for you know him to be effective against this ECU team. So um, we're excited. I think he's you know he's growing. He knows that he's pushing himself, but we think his ceiling is really really high. JP Gooderham from the Fear the Wave blog joining us on the Fixed NC Live Line. JP um, Tulane scoring thirty six and a half points a game and. A lot of those came against Morgan State, but that number, 36.5, is good enough to win you some games in 2021. The, the bad news is, as you mentioned earlier, they're giving up 37 a game, and a lot of that came to Ole Miss uh, in that game where they were able to roll up some points. So, again, these numbers uh, may be a tad skewed as we sit here early in the season, uh, four games into the season, although it really goes from early to late in the season quick in college football, so you want to get those things figured out uh, beginning week five right jp oh that's that's definitely true you know it's it's weird to say that your back is against the wall but it it depends on 
really, really any kind of goal you have for the season is Tulane starting with making the bowl game. You need to go when you start one and three, now you got to go five and three for the rest of your, your season, right? Which is not easy to do. There are no easy games on this Tulane schedule going forward. Uh, and you got to, you got to win, you got to play. And Willie Fritz talked about that this week. And then I think the second thing is that even better than that, I think Tulane has, you know, in their comments this week, you know, hey, we didn't have the, the kind of amazing start to the non-conference schedule of beating one of these top-tier P5 teams. Our new thing should be, well, let's go out and beat some of these better teams in the AEC. And I think that's really the vision going forward. And I think to your point, you know, what your read is there is, is spot on. I think the offense has really continued to have fireworks, you know, as they had last year under former offensive coordinator, now Southern Miss coach Will Hall. In comes former Notre Dame coordinator uh, Chip Long, who's taken over this year. And I know Bill Conley's ESPN SP plus rates the offense as number 36 in the country. So pretty good, right? Mm -hmm. You look at the defense though, which is at number one Oh two there, you know, there's your trouble. And and that's really the thing is that Tulane is going to need to find more on defense. I think to your point, you can score points, but against a lot of these AAC offenses, you need to really bring some heat on defense too. Pirates got to find their offense. It'd be nice if they could do that Saturday. East Carolina's really had two good quarters of, of good offensive football this season, and really that's about it. Another Something else I noticed on the stats, uh, the third quarter has been an issue for East Carolina. Their lone touchdown has come from cornerback Jaquan McMillan on a pick six last week in the third quarter. East Carolina outscored 28-10 to in the third quarter. Tulane has been outscored 38-15 to in the third quarter. So maybe that's the most important quarter to keep an eye on on Saturday because both of these teams coming out of the locker room have not looked good uh, thus far, JP. That's true. You know, I would actually say, though, that I think Tulane has – it's weird because it doesn't really align with the numbers, but I think Tulane has actually been stronger in the second half. At Oklahoma, that was where the comeback started to happen. Yeah. Against UAB, they went down 21-0. to And I think that that's a really key piece for Tulane and for these Willie Fritz teams is having that toughness, especially in a road environment, uh, to be able to find your way back. Now, something that's really anchoring those numbers down – I was in Oxford for that game. I feel like Ole Miss scored about 60 points in that third quarter, the way it is in my mind right now. Uh, that wasn't great. But I think that, to your point, <clears throat> Tulane really is going to need to play a complete game if they want to win this against ECU. Uh, real quick, JP, uh, you, you said you were there in Oxford. Do you think Ole Miss uh, has the the offense and, and, I guess, most importantly, the defense to make it a game against Alabama coming up on Saturday? Man, I it's crazy because, you know, the, the stock answer you should always take basically against Nick Saban is no, and you're going to be right about 99% <laughs> of the time. Yeah. You kind of feel like you're going out on a limb when you're not doing that. I was incredibly impressed with Ole Miss. I really was, and I think they can make it a game. I think if Florida made it a game, I think Ole Miss can make this a game with, with Alabama, and I think that quarterback Matt Corral is uh, incredibly effective, not just in his, his athletic ability, but in his leadership. I mean, he talked a lot about the way he kept his team focused when we had like a two-hour lightning delay, and we were sitting there in the rain just waiting for this thing to happen. I think the offense they have is going to be a test for Alabama, even with the talent they have on defense. And honestly, I think the biggest thing is that the, the defense for them has gotten better. Now, their offense is elite. Their defense, I do not think, is elite yet. But I think that's going to be the thing, is put the offense in a position where if Matt Corral can go out and do his thing and hit some of those really talented receivers and really work the field, you're giving them a chance to, to, to make it happen. And, and so, yeah, like I said, I feel like I'm out on a limb, 
but I was very, very impressed with that Ole Miss team. Talking to J.P. Gooderham uh, from the Fear the Wave blog podcast. You can follow our blog, uh, blog, blog, I should say. Uh, you can follow them on Twitter at Fear the Wave blog. Um, J.P., when I saw the total for this East Carolina Tulane game, my first thought was, wow, uh, is East Carolina going to put it together offensively enough for this total to get into the 60s? And I guess from your perspective, it's, you know, can this Tulane defense show up and keep East Carolina from scoring 30 points uh, in this game? So, it, it, you know, who shows up? ECU's offense, Tulane's defense, we'll see. Uh, but what what kind of game were you expecting on Saturday at Dottie Ficklin Stadium? It's kind of where my head's at, and it was a little surprising seeing that, you know, given the fact that there hasn't been a, a ton of firepower. You know, you look at some of those games, like the 20-17 to 17 loss, I believe it was, South Carolina, and they've kind of had those, those low-scoring games. Uh, you know, I thought Keaton's numbers as, as a running back were pretty impressive in these last two with him putting up, I think, 100-plus yards in both of those games. He's averaging like 7.8 yards per carry or something, which is fantastic. So I think ECU has some pieces here that they can start to build around, especially if, you know, for Tulane, I think some of those issues have been, I mentioned before, the missed tackles, you know, extending a play that could be a third and five stop, and all of a sudden the guy's rumbling past that first down line and extending drives. I think the other thing is, you know, for Holden to, to kind of find his way of, of testing Tulane's quarterbacks, where I think there has been some, chal- some challenge in that secondary that we didn't expect. But on the flip side, you know, I, I looked at the box score for Charleston Southern, and I was very shocked to see an FCS team put up 568 yards against East Carolina. And I think for Tulane, that's the other thing for them is Pratt getting in there and getting an early and quick start. And that was a huge issue in UAB, was coming out and, and you know, starting with some three and outs and putting the defense on their heels. It is not all the defense's fault that they've been in that position. When Tulane has kind of dropped anchor and, and lost some of that speed, it's put them in such a challenging position, spending a lot of time on the field. And I think that's probably my biggest takeaway that if Tulane wins this game, what do I think the storyline is? It would be Michael Pratt coming out and really building some nice drives early in this game. I think that's also how you pass that 60-plus point mark, too. J.P. Gooderham, Fear the Wave blog, joining us. You can follow them on Twitter at Fear the Wave blog. And, uh, J.P., as I said before you came on, I enjoy it from a – informational uh perspective but also you guys have a sense of humor so i appreciate that as well and uh keep up the good work and i uh, hope we have a good football game uh, expecting one uh coming up this saturday it should be thank you very much for having me clip all right thanks man there's jp gooderham joining us on the fixed nc live line we'll take a break come back what does jeff nadu think about the four point spread in this game tulane a favorite coming here to greenville we'll talk about that and the rest of the college football action Pretty good slate this Saturday. We'll go uh, up and down that slate when we return after this. To hour one of Pirate Radio Live. Do you need custom t shirts, apparel, or promotional items for your business, organization, or event? Keep it local. Print it local with University Sportswear. Contact them today at University Sportswear ENC.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back. Are you in outside sales and looking for an opportunity to increase your earning potential? Copy Brew has been in Eastern North Carolina for over 45 years and continues to grow each year, and they are in need of some sales professionals with a desire to potentially make a six-figure income. 
Do you have what it takes? Visit copypro.net today to submit your resume and to learn more. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Clint Brock. I wish I knew what was so funny because all I know is you are over here just about to turn red. Are those the shoes you got? Yeah, basically. <laughs> what? I know. Good and well. All right, we we got to get a Jeff Nadeau. We'll talk about this with Igo in hour two. Oh, man. This is pretty funny, though. Chandler's uh, in a wedding on Saturday. Okay. So he won't be here at work. Dude. Dude. <laughs> Uh, but he got some nice, really nice shoes that he was excited about. He they, came in. they are nice. They're they, very nice. Yeah, they're very, very nice. Um, and I did a little research on those shoes, and I'll tell you more about them in a moment. <laughs> okay. Um, well, whatever it was, it was hilarious because you were. <laughs> that's why I started laughing because I looked up and you were just slumped down in your chair, just crying, laughing. It cracked me up. All right, more on that in a moment. But right now, we'll go out to the Fixed NC Live line and talk to the big man on campus, Jeff Nadeau, who joins us to talk college football on a Tuesday. Big man, how you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Hey, doing great, Jeff. Uh, Looking forward to some more football. We've got this Tuesday-Wednesday hiatus, and we'll get back to it Thursday. When does the uh, the midweek action begin, Jeff? Are we still a few weeks away from that? I hadn't looked ahead. Uh, I think it starts beginning in November. Okay, about a month away uh, from some midweek football, but we now have time to look at what's coming up this weekend. Big man, let's start with East Carolina. This is a pivotal game in the 2021 season for ecu and i think even more important than that a pivotal game for mike houston you've got a winnable game at home to start the conference slate but you are a home underdog to the tulane green wave tulane right now a four-point favorite totals at 64 and a half so they're expecting some points to come in this football game tulane had that uh, great season opener against oklahoma where they almost pulled off the upset but since then they rolled up some points on morgan state jeff but have lost a couple games got blown out by Ole miss and then lost at home to uab so two desperate teams here coming into this game looking for uh their first conference win to go to one and oh in conference play so uh what do you think when you look at the green wave and the pirates jeff yeah i know i don't think you'll hear this from anyone this week maybe you will i i don't know you know i don't know what what will be said, but I think this is probably one of the most important games in Mike Houston's career there. I mean, I'm with you. If they want to get to a bowl game, I think they have to win this game. I mean, I, I think you look at the rest of the schedule. I mean, South Florida, Temple, and, and Navy are, are winnable, and you should win there. But, yeah, you look at you only have, you know, two wins so far. So you have to get this one against Tulane. It's at home. Um, and I think Tulane's probably saying the same thing. Um, I, I guess for me, like, just as a neutral and someone looking – you know, outside in, I don't really trust ECU to win games like this. I don't. I, I mean, I thought the South Carolina one was rough. I, I thought, you know, and look, I give them the, the benefit of the doubt. They did beat Charleston Southern last week, but as you know, it wasn't easy. You got an easy, you know, a win that you probably shouldn't have had against Marshall. So you have some confidence, but you know, Tulane's a good team. Michael Pratt's a good quarterback. They've obviously played well and played. I mean, you talk about the competition. Tulane has played Ole Miss. They played Oklahoma. They played UAB. I mean, this team is battle-tested. They played some tough football teams. Now, they didn't win those games, but they were right there against UAB, and they were right there against Oklahoma. So, yeah, I would I'd be honest, Clip, I would lean Tulane here. Um, I'll, I'll let Mike Houston and the team surprise me and, and win a game. Maybe they shouldn't. They have to have it, but I don't think they'll win. I'm, I'm feeling uh, on the same wavelength there. Just I'm using the, the evidence I've seen in the past. All I can go on is what I've seen uh, from this team, and I just don't know – uh, if they have the offense to keep up and, and, and the defense to stop Tulane, I, I do 
that total jeff is suggesting like a 34 to 30 game and uh i don't know if east carolina can can get into the 30s the way their offense has sputtered for a lot of this year so i don't know uh but I, right now i'm with you on the the two lane side we'll see how i feel i think coming up saturday i think if you're uh and i said this last year with east carolina and i'll say it again like they try to establish the run way too much. Like in certain games, you just have to let it fly. And I get it for the first quarter or whatever, but I think to win this game, I think they're going to have to shoot it out. You know, you're going to have to throw 50 times, I think. And you look at it, they did it against Marsh and it worked. So, um, you know, they have to throw the kitchen sink at, at, at Tulane. This is a real important game. It's a great barometer game to see if they have any moxie. Um, but these, this is why you hired Mike Houston, to win games like this. And if you don't win this game, I mean, you're not going to win again until, you know, probably close to Halloween. Jeff, uh, you don't have any connection to East Carolina other than coming on Pirate Radio, and you have over the years. So, you know, uh, and you certainly know a lot about East Carolina now that we've talked, but you sound just like the locals here that call in after the game. Uh, so you're you're not uh, – you're, you're kind of preaching to the choir here when you talk about how big this game is, how East Carolina needs to open it up, and how Mike Houston needs to, to win this football game. So – I think a lot of people are agreeing with you right now that are listening. I mean, I, I'm pretty negative by Jen, I mean, <laughs> just being from the Philadelphia area. But, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've said before, if I were a fan of this team, I would be I would be irritated week to week. It's, yeah. it, you know, you're just kind of waiting and it doesn't happen. But we'll see. It'll be a good game, I think. Jeff Nadeau joining us. Jeff, uh, I'll bounce around a little bit and then we'll circle back to, to games you like coming up. Uh, this weekend and midweek i made a note to myself last friday i'm trying to remember what game i was watching now um where home underdogs on friday nights and i don't know how much you look at trends like this but they have been hidden uh, you go back to virginia tech and north carolina uh there's been several examples since then and if you're going to star a game like that this friday it would have to be iowa at maryland and iowa is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. When you see number five versus a, a Maryland team, maybe you would think it would be a bigger favorite. But Maryland is 4-0. and oh. How real are they? Um, talking about East Carolina trying to get a big uh, signature win for Mike Houston this weekend. This would be monster uh, for Maryland, who has really struggled over the years. But do you think the Terps can hang with the Hawkeyes on Friday night? I mean, look, the, 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 the ranking that Iowa has is, one of the most pathetic things. Like, that's just why rankings suck, because it's like, they're just there. Because You're talking about football or basketball, Jeff? Because you said that about the basketball team, too. <laughs> so is this team. It's basketball or football. It's pathetic. I mean, yeah. Keep in mind, Clip, Iowa is 114th in the country in total offense, 293 yards a game. Their quarterback is one of the worst completion percentages in the country. I mean, when you look at 114 in the country, Clip, Old Dominion, is averaging about 10 yards more a game than them. <laughs> Old Dominion. UMass is averaging more yards per game. South Florida, Temple, uh, Georgia Southern. I mean, this mm. is just dreadful stuff. I remember earlier in the year, they had a big win against Iowa State, but didn't they get like two pick sixes? Like it, yeah, they, they have a great defense, but it's been a little fluky maybe, right? And then they played Then they played uh, uh, Indiana, who didn't have a healthy yeah. panic. So, yeah, I, I think they get uh, – I think this Maryland team's legit. I, I love what I'm seeing out of this young Tagaviola kid. Uh, Mike Loxley seems like he's established a really good kind of uh, culture there. Um, they've got some receivers. Dante Demas is a really big play guy. Uh, I think they win this game. I think that's going to be a rocket atmosphere. Mine's me a little bit clip of week one with UNC and Virginia Tech. You have a team coming in that's maybe a little overvalued. 
against a hungry, desperate team that's 4-0 that's actually probably better than we think they are. That home crowd's going to be great. Uh, I think Maryland is a solid play here. And I think Sharps agree because this open four and it's been bet down to three and a half. Yeah. Jeff Nadeau joining us. And, and look, Iowa is 4-0. You say the ranking is, is not what it should be, but it kind of speaks to where we are in college football this particular season, right, Jeff, with uh, Clemson already losing a couple of games. Ohio State has lost. It looks like everybody but Bama, and we'll see if Georgia will get to that game in a moment, but we could be in one of those wild uh, college football seasons where a lot of teams get multiple losses this year. I'll tell you what's really interesting is if Ole Miss somehow knocks the world and beats Alabama, then, yeah, I mean, Cliff, I said one of the – and I'll throw this out right now – one of the picks that I've already made this week is Cincinnati against Notre Dame. Hmm. And a lot of the reasoning for that is I think this is the biggest game in Cincinnati football history. It's not even close. This has a re- this team has a realistic shot this year to actually get to the Final Four. There are not four teams, I think, maybe by the end of the year that are better than Cincinnati. This is Cincinnati's last opportunity, I think, to get uh, one of those signature on-TV wins. Uh, Notre Dame is a legitimate program, and they've got to be looking. And I know it's, they can't really control the rest of their destiny, but Cincinnati's coaching staff has to be looking and saying, if we win this game, we have as good a shot as any year to get to the Final Four. It's yep. not usually fair for us. But, yeah, I think that has to go into the thinking for some of these coaches. I said it, man. This game, uh, Cincinnati's games against Murray State and against Miami, Ohio, and style points, that didn't really matter as much as that Notre Dame-Wisconsin game last week because Cincinnati needed Notre Dame to win, get into the top ten, makes if they win this week look even more impressive. And that's right there in front of them. So, huge uh, opportunity for Fickle. Notre Dame has been living on the edge. Remember last week, Graham Mertz had four turnovers. Listen, Clip, this is important. Notre Dame is giving up five sacks per game. This oh, yeah. defensive line has major issues. I'm a bit concerned for them in this football game. I took Cincy. I played the money line at 120. Uh, let's talk about another top 10 matchup. Arkansas, man, they crushed Texas and handled Texas A&M. You can say what you want about those teams, but very impressive start to the season for Sam Pittman. They found themselves in the top 10, but they run up uh, against the Georgia team at home in Athens at noon on Saturday, and the line is uh, around 18 and a half. It's a, a pretty big line there for Georgia you know, Arkansas has looked good so far this year, Jeff, but uh, is this the one where um, the, their their flaws are kind of exposed? Maybe, but I'll say this. I mean, when it comes to defense, I mean, these are two – I mean, Georgia is the best team in the country defensively. It's not close. And, you know, Arkansas is not far behind. I mean, Ar- I mean, consider this club. This is pretty, pretty crazy. This goes to show you how bad defenses are in the country and how good Georgia's is. Georgia is one of the only two teams in a country giving up less than 200 yards a game. Georgia's giving up 185 yards a game. To put that, into, put that into perspective, the other teams in the country, all of them, outside of Iowa State, are giving up over 210 yards a game. Wow. Georgia is significantly better than every other team defensively. So to put this into perspective, Cliff, Georgia, 185 yards a game they're giving up. Arkansas is ninth. They're giving up. 267 yards a game. So almost 100 yards more separates the first and ninth teams in total defense. It's pretty crazy. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think this total is a little high. I thought 49 was high. I would have put it more towards like 46 and a half, 47. I think uh, if you can get above that seven touchdown mark, I think this is a pretty good play. Both teams, I think, are going to want to run the ball. 
I, I'm not in love with Georgia skill players. I know they put a lot of points on the board, but um, I like the under a bit here. As I look up and down the schedule, it seems like a are you for real Saturday, and Michigan has an opportunity to further prove that they belong in the, the top 15 and and one of the best teams in the country when they take on Wisconsin, who already has two losses, but can they go into Camp Randall and pull out a win? Wisconsin's actually a narrow favorite in this game, Jeff. Do you have a, uh, a lean on, on this one? Uh, yeah, I kind of I kind of threw something small in on the under at 43.5. I know a lot <laughs> of people are going to kind of hold their nose at that one. No one's betting this total, and I think for good reason. It's super low, but I mean, this screams seventeen thirteen to me. Yeah. I know that you know these games generally find their way over, but I mean neither quarterback I think is very good. Two defenses that are stout and tough. I think punters are going to be important here. It's probably going to be uh, you know I don't think it's important to look at weather yet, but I think it's going to be raw in Madison uh, this weekend. Um, we're starting to feel the cold weather up here. You look at Saturday. I mean, it's going to be fine. It's only seventy degrees, but again, you know something to think about wind things like that. I think I think this is a spot where you take the under. I'm leaning on 20 to 13, something like we saw last week with Michigan Rutgers. Jeff uh, just looked up the ACC championship odds. Clemson is minus 200 after losing to NC State. The Wolfpack at plus 400. Wake Forest is plus 900. Now they're going to, I think, be able to cruise the next few weeks, but they have a stretch where they have. North Carolina, NC State, Clemson, Boston College, all like back-to-back-to-back-to-back. So, we, we, you know, they're going to be okay this first part of the season. Can they get through the gauntlet at the end? But Wake Forest just quietly piling up points, a smooth, easy win last week in Virginia. They got Louisville at home this week, and uh, they're only six-and-a-half-point favorites against Louisville. I think when it comes down to a clip, we can make the case. Would you say you have a number on that? Wake Forest was uh, now I got to pull it back up plus uh, nine hundred, I believe. So clip at Fanduel, you can get twenty to one on that. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, I like the way you're thinking. I, I think I think it's a smart decision. Wake is, I think, one of the better defensive teams in this conference. I think they might be the best defensive team in this conference, maybe outside of Clemson, who's still good defensively, but. Um, yeah, I like Wake, but I'll tell you this: I like Louisville as well. I think Louisville. I think we can make a clear clip. I mean, Ole Miss is really good. Yeah, and that—that's a great point. That's the one time I've actually sat and watched the whole Louisville game. And good grief, they got torched on defense. But uh, since then, they've won every game they've played. So. Yeah, exactly. And and Malik Cunningham starting to I think kind of figure it out. Satterfield's starting to get his bearings a little bit. I think if that hits seven, maybe you take a shot with Louisville. But yeah, it's hard to get in front of Wake right now. They're ranked all of a sudden. They have a good defense, uh, and Hartman is good, and they can run the ball effectively. So yeah, I think twenty to one is not a bad shout on on Wake. Uh, you know, Pitt interesting as well at fourteen to one. Uh, you mentioned earlier if Ole Miss can go to Brian Denny Stadium and pull off the upset and shock the college football world, that would uh, be monster for the landscape of this season. Do you, do you think there's a chance of that happening, Jeff? Uh, what well, you cut out at the end club? What was the question? The Ole Miss Alabama. You said you used the word if Ole Miss could do it earlier. I mean, do you think they can make this a game with with Bama? Well, you know, Clip, I have this thing where occasionally I'll, I'll get these premonitions, and I'll, I'll, I'll not recommend that people do it, but I myself have taken a C-note and said, you know what, <laughs> plus 440, I'm in. Oh. Look, it's, pro- it's probably going to be money that I'll, I'll burn. But, you know, because, again, Alabama, the, the, the method on beating them, the, the, the method of error is so small, so small that it's, 
it's just tough to do. Uh, I think they're capable, though. I think their defense is, frankly, a lot better than we give it credit for. I, I found them to be pretty good defensively this year so far, Ole Miss. And, look, is Alabama good? Of course they are. Uh, I'll tell you right now, Clip, if I had um, – Let's say um, rough and rowdy had already happened, and I've already been paid, I'm paying, being paid pretty well. I would, I would do my best to get to this game. I've never been to a college football game. It's not as important up here than it is down there. Oh, yeah. I would love to be at this game. This is going to be an absolutely awesome game to watch as a neutral fan. There's going to be tons of offense. Uh, Matt Corral, I think, wins the Heisman Trophy this week. Oh, wow. So there's the call from the big man. Uh, total sitting at... Uh, around 80, 79 and a half. They put up over 100 last year. Like, is that is that too high for you to go for, Jeff? Or are you going to go ahead? Uh, what do you think about the over in this game? Well, I mean, I'm generally not betting totals this high. I mean, think about this club. Let's say this game was 51-27. You would lose. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's crazy. So, but, no, I, I think this is – I mean, this would be terrific to watch. Two teams are just incredible offensively. Uh it's it's something that we're like you can't have seven nothing in that you need fourteen fourteen at the end of the first that's what you need to be on pace here so uh, yeah I, I wouldn't be betting unders I think this is one of those one time a season games where you just say you know what you know like a lot of the people listening to the show that maybe gamble for fun I think you just get get a beer or two maybe a pizza and you you, you play the over and have fun this would be a great game to watch great neutral game for for college football fans. Uh, one more, Jeff, and then I'll, I'll ask you uh, what you like this weekend that we didn't go over. But Kentucky likes to play these ugly, close games. Can they can they muck it up with Florida and, and make it a, a tight one? That's one uh, coming up at 6 o'clock on Saturday. Yeah, Florida's not a team that I'm ever really running to lay double digits kind of with. But I'll tell you, they've been sneaky pretty good. I mean, they, they blew out South Florida, hung right with Alabama, and then blew out you know just a, a, a brutal Tennessee team. So... Um, yeah, I, I I would lean on like a closer game, you know, like a 27-21 type of game. Um, I think there are better spots in the card this week, but um, two teams that I actually like. I like I like both from from a different profile, so I kind of just cancel out and not wager on it. All right, went over some of the uh, marquee games, bigger name games of the weekend, Jeff. What did I miss that you're into uh, coming up week five? Yeah, I know it's going to be tough for a lot of people to do, but I think USC has to be played this week. Um, you know, they're off a loss. Uh, last week, uh, they're only laying six and a half for Colorado. I, I, I still think it's too light, though. Um, USC is significantly better than Colorado. I think the value is here just because we lost this week. Colorado clip is, I mean, in all intents and purposes, this is the worst offensive team in the country, in my opinion. I, I know Navy and and teams like that are, are are below them, but Colorado is averaging seventy nine passing yards a game. Mm. They, they, Generally, teams at that level are just triple option teams. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's just dreadful right now for Colorado. Brendan Lewis is not a quarterback that should be seeing the field right now. Um, I think USC gets right here and, and takes care of a bad Colorado team. Um, two and two, I think there's a lot to be pissed off about after USC. I'd expect a much better defensive effort. You're not going to get ver- vertically beaten the way Oregon State beat you. That was one of those games last week where if you're USC – You've got to take a good long look in the mirror uh, and focus. I think even with 80% effort, they win by 10 against Colorado. Um, One that I already bet clip was um, Toledo. This is my favorite bet of the week, frankly. I played Toledo last week, minus five against Ball State. I'm going to play them again again against UMass. Now, I know a lot of people probably say to me, 
Well, Big Man, it's the last non-conference game. They've got MAC football to worry about. That's fair. But remember, Toledo has one of the best backup quarterbacks in the country. They have a kid called uh, Daquan Finn. Okay, He played in mop-up duty against Norfolk State, played last week against Toledo. This is a guy that could capably run an offense. He reminds me of a young Michael Vick. This guy is electric. I mean, he is fast. He's powerful. He just runs people over. Um, I think he's perfectly capable of putting points on the board in mop-up duty. Let's say Bradley goes out in the third quarter. Uh, I, I, this screams like 48-10. And, Clip, I want to say this now. Toledo is not the defense of old. This is a really good defensive team. They were absolutely terrific last week against Ball State. I think they put a similar effort on uh, this week. I think they blow UMass out of the building. Jeff Nadeau joining us. I like the foresight to think it's going to be a blowout and to already know who the backup quarterback is in case it is. So uh, good stuff there. Jeff, uh, we will reconvene with you on Thursday, talk some NFL, and then hook up with you uh, on Saturday on the Bud Light pregame tailgate. Uh, you can check out patreon.com slash BMOC and uh, follow them on Twitter at Jeff NADU. Big man, uh, enjoy the college football chat today. We appreciate you joining us. Same here, Clippin. Thanks for not asking me about the Eagles. I, 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 I am, I've had it, so thank you. We ran out of time. My uh, next question was going to be about three carries to running backs last night, but we ran out of time. So, so maybe, maybe Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to probably be forced to bet them this week, weirdly enough. So uh, talk to you Thursday. <laughs> Figured we'd just keep it light today, and uh, we'll bring up the Eagles on Thursday when we talk NFL with the big man on campus, Jeff Nadeau. We'll uh, talk more college football lines Wednesday, the return of Wager McGee uh, on a Wednesday, coming up on Pirate Radio Live. Let's take a time out. We'll come back. We will have more for you. Uh, Kevin Monroe joins us on the other side. We'll uh, get his thoughts on what happened on Saturday and what will happen this Saturday when we return on Pirate Radio Live after this. Listening to Hour 2 of Pirate Radio Live. Save lives, be a hero, and make $1,000 your very first month donating plasma at Griffles Biomat USA. Start now at Biomat USA on 505 South Memorial Drive. A better donor experience and better pay. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Eastern North Carolina's choice for window tinting, signs, graphics, wraps, graphic design, and more is Signs and Tent. Be sure to stop by their office at 801 Staten Road in Greenville, or you can book an appointment online at signsandtent.com. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Clip Rock. Back with you on Pirate Radio Live. We'll talk uh, all ECU from here on out. The remainder of the show, Pirate Football, as Stephen Igo will join us a little later on. We got Mike Houston comments from his weekly press conference from earlier today. And right now we'll talk to a former Pirate, a former Panther, uh, and now the color analyst on the Pirates IMG Learfield Sports Network. He is Kevin Monroe, who joins us on the program. Kevin, how you doing today, man? I'm doing good, Clip. I hope you are. I'm doing well, Kevin. We'll get to the Pirates in a moment. Last night I tweeted, is it an overreaction to say that the Cowboys win the NFC East by four-plus games? Kevin, what's your answer to that question? Is that an overreaction, or does that sound like a possibility to you? I, you know, I'd love for that to happen, but it's definitely an overreaction. Um, I, I'm not yet to the point to where I think the Cowboys 
aren't uh, above doing some dumb things, specifically when it comes to coaching and clock management. We seem to really struggle with that uh, over the last two games. And so if there's a close game at hand, I'm sure, you know, whether it's on defense or coaching, we'll find a way to screw it up. Uh, but I do like how talented they are, uh, both offensively and defensively. So if it just comes down to lining up and beating other teams, I think they're, they're talented enough, but they could definitely screw this up. Perfectly said, Kevin, because I also had a thought that the Cowboys are the most talented team and have the worst coach in the division. Uh, now, I don't know about Joe Judge, Nick Sirianni yet, but uh, Mike McCarthy just continues to make baffling calls. Even in comfortable wins like last night, Peyton Manning was screaming at his TV for Mike McCarthy to call a timeout at the end of the first half. But uh, I don't know. I don't even know if he can stop Dallas uh, from winning this division just because everybody else looks so bad. But it's it's still early, Kevin. As you know, things uh, teams can turn it around. So we'll see. <laughs> Well, I was I was happy to see Ezekiel Elliott play well last night. I yeah. think people were starting to write him off, and you know, ready to go to the Tony Tony Pollard bandwagon. Which for me, I'm a I'm a Cowboy fan, so whoever's back there, I'm rooting for him. But I really do like Zeke, and I think he's still you know a top ten back in this league. And if he gets the opportunity, I think he'll do well. All right, Kevin, on to the Pirates. East Carolina wins their second straight game on Saturday. You always hear there's no such thing as an ugly win or a bad win, but, boy, ECU tested the limits on that phrase on Saturday, Kevin. There was a lot of people, myself included, coming out of that game knowing it was a win, but, man, not feeling very good about it. How about yourself? Well, I texted someone right after the game, and I said, I'm happy that I'm so angry over a win for once. Because <laughs> uh, that's how I felt. I felt like, I couldn't believe how we played against an FCS opponent, and not just an FCS opponent, but FCS opponent I didn't feel like was anywhere as good as us. And we played when James Madison rolled through here, you know, a few years ago under Coach Houston, and they beat us. They were they were a better team that day. I didn't feel like this uh, team that we played was as good as us, as talented as us, but they just kept making plays, and we kind of just sat on the ball in the second half and, and got a little bit too conservative and didn't do a whole lot. And it was just frustrating to watch. Very frustrating, Kevin. Once again, the Pirates put together one good quarter of offensive football. We saw it in the fourth against Marshall. We saw it in the second against uh, Charleston Southern. And outside of that, just subpar play offensively. And and, and nothing's going to change this week as far as the the quarterback, the coordinator, uh, or a lot of the personnel, Kevin. So it's just on them, I guess, to execute. Because right now you're you're not going to bring in any new players. You're not going to, I don't think, fire any coaches or change uh, positions at the top. So it is what it is. Now, now what can this team do to, to make it look prettier uh, on the field when they got the football? Well, you know what? We got to see one play of, uh, of Garcia. And, you know, Coach always says every week that it's an open competition at every position and that the, the best guy is going to play and that he just happens to think that so far uh, this season, Holton has been the best guy at the quarterback position. And, you know what? I, I don't argue that he might be the best guy because we're not at practice. I just know that he's struggled at times. And so if he's struggling, I've said this before, if he's struggling, why not give someone else an opportunity? And so, who knows? Who knows? After Coach, you know, has watched film uh, over this past few days of what he saw from from Holt Naylor's. If he if he feels like maybe Garcia should get more time, you know, I, I think the fan base would probably tell you he deserves to get more time. I don't know. I just know that the offense was very stagnant. Um, you know, you, you you you're not getting your ball the ball to the playmakers enough. Tyler Steen's not touching the ball enough. Uh, Mitchell and Harris aren't touching the ball enough, and it seemed like. Things just 
got really one dimensional. And, uh, and, and, and I think they out, they, they out got, uh, in terms of first downs, I think they had 20 or 25 more first downs than, than the Pirates, which is pretty incredible for the amount of time of possession. There's only three minutes difference in time of possession. So that was really a staggering, uh, that. I agree. I, I looked at it after the game, thought that that can't be true with all the three and outs and, and as much as Charleston Southern seemed to have the football. Kevin, that quarterback, Chambers, on Saturday, uh, I went back and, and thought about the, you know, Bryce and South Carolina's coach who was playing quarterback and uh, the, the QB from Marshall, who, of course, is very talented as well. But that quarterback, and, I, and we helped him probably look good, Kevin, but that QB on Saturday, Chambers, was the best QB I've seen ECU play this year. How about you? So I hesitate to say best because I thought Grant Wells at Marshall was just a really good passer of the football. I yeah. think he was accurate. I thought he was a good a good player. I think, you know, overall he's probably a better player. But there's nothing – you can't put anything over – an athletic quarterback, a quarterback that can just beat you with his feet. It's a lot like what, you know, what you see with Jalen Hurts. He makes a lot of mistakes, but he can just take off and run on you and it'll just kill you. Uh, and so, yeah, that's what he kept doing was that when, when it would break down, he, he probably only had one or two read on every time you drop back. And if that person wasn't open, he was going to pull it down. He was able to escape uh, sacks and, and just keep drives going, keep the chains moving. And that's all it takes. That's all it takes. And so uh, in terms of, being the most deadly against us this year he definitely was the most deadly because we had to be able to corral him and stop him and slow him down and we were good at it at times and at times he was getting away and making things tough on us he was fun to watch unless you were uh rooting for east carolina on saturday because he was he was tough to to get and uh and made some pretty good throws as well kevin that defense is on the field so much because of those three and outs and and even the big plays east carolina makes with cj finally had a big one a 60 yarder and then keaton mitchell another huge run uh, for east carolina and that put the defense right back on the field uh, you know that is a a bit of an excuse for giving up 500 and some yards to an fcs team defense has a lot of cleaning up to do uh starting this week against Tulane. yeah they've given up you know a lot of yards uh some points you know they they've been opportunistic they've, they've gotten some turnovers and yeah. i like to see that you know i love what jaquan mcmillan is doing he's going to rewrite the record books the corners at east carolina he, he just uh he's always around the football uh, they're starting to get better pressure on quarterbacks. You know, I thought they pressured uh, the Charleston Southern quarterback a lot. They just couldn't corral him and get him on the ground as much as I'd like to see. So uh, I think you know they're doing some good things. Uh, they're finding a way to, to, to get stops at times. But, yeah, they're just out there too long. They give up too many third-down conversions, um, too many opportunities through the air. Balls are completed. You know, they're rotating – three corners, you know, McMillan's pretty much a mainstay, but Nolan Johnson and Malik Fleming kind of rotate over the other side. The safeties get rotated in and out. Those three or four guys and linebackers are always coming in and out. And then same thing with defensive linemen. So we have depth, but, you know, not everybody's performing to where we'd like them to be performing. And so the defense has not been as good as it could be, but certainly it's kept us in games. Talk more about snap counts, player participation with Igo later on in the show. But there was one series, Kevin, where we saw Aaron Ramsour out there. I had to remember what number he was. He's just been out of the game so much due to to injuries. But he kind of took over a series by himself uh, there in the red zone for East Carolina. It sounds like we're going to start to see more of him uh, if he's able to go physically. But that was a uh, a pleasant sight to the eyes on Saturday. If we get him involved on defense. 
I remember exactly what you're talking about. And, I, and I've always thought ever since he came to East Carolina that he's so fast and, you know, big and strong that he could be a terror out there. When he got out there, because uh, we talked about in the pregame how he had some hip problems and some different lower leg uh, issues and things like that. But he was flying around the field. He made two or three tackles on that series you're talking about. It didn't look like anything was bothering him. You know, who knows if he's just hyped up on adrenaline or whatever, but he was out there making plays. And if he can do that, he's definitely a good addition to that linebacking core. Kevin Rowe joining us. Kevin, the Pirates are four-point underdogs at home against Tulane. The Green Wave, everybody saw them week one at Oklahoma, have a chance to win it at the end. And Pratt and company played such a, an inspired game that day. They lost 40-35. to 35. They then rolled up a lot of points on Morgan State, FCS team. Since then, they gave up 61 to Ole Miss in a blowout and then lost at home to a pretty good UAB team, but a team you think that Willie Fritz and, and company should be able to beat in their home stadium. So you want to talk about a desperate team in week five, Kevin, Tulane, desperate for a win. They're kind of used to winning six, seven games a year going to a bowl. So this is a, a super important game for both of these teams this Saturday. Well, the one thing we know is that Coach Fritz is a very good coach, and he's always going to have his guys ready to go. It does make you wonder now that we've seen three or four weeks of Oklahoma how good they actually are. Right? True. Because if the, one, if the one measuring stick for Tulane is how they hung in there with Oklahoma, Oklahoma's let everybody hang in there with this year. <laughs> so that, that may not be saying a whole lot. But, but you're right. I mean, at, at one and three, you know they're well coached. You know they've got some good players, including the quarterback position. So should they be, should they be favored? Probably. But, you know, you get three points for being at home. And so basically they're saying they're, they're a one-touchdown favorite. And so we'll see. You know, we'll see. We're going to be ready to play. We know they're going to be ready to play. I think that offensively, if we can get out and 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 be a little bit, be a little bit different, you know, be start start doing some play action, working the receivers, working the running backs, and get on the board quickly, but keep the pressure on Tulane's defense, we got a much better chance. The problem is when we get out early and start to sit down on the ball and, and start to not be dynamic is when we struggle. Kevin Monroe joining us, Kevin, in the last few days. Uh seen a couple of coaches from from yesteryear uh for east carolina i saw uh pictures of steve logan at the game which is a rare sight on saturday and then it was announced that ruffin mcneil uh would be inducted into the hall of fame he was on the brian bailey show yesterday kevin and i had a chance to talk to him for no more than 45 seconds and uh i, got, I still got a smile on my face from that conversation uh great to hear from coach ruff and we'll be seeing him uh coming up later this year and also your old coach steve logan was in the house so uh nice to see these uh these old coaches around greenville once again love logan uh you almost have to play for him to, to know a whole lot about him because he doesn't open up to the press very often now, he, he did obviously done the radio show has done one for, for a long time and you, you kind of get a feeling of who he is through that but when you play for him you get to know him and he's a great guy great coach uh coach rough you know you meet him and, and if you don't like him it's your fault it's not his fault uh and and, and you know obviously i didn't get a chance to watch him play but i heard he was a great player here at east carolina and it, it's kind of funny i think jeff charles told me this stat that uh there's been three coaches that have been asked to leave um east carolina that have been inducted in the hall of fame <laughs> steve, steve logan and, and ruffin McKinney. wow cool um but you know you just you, you never know and and i think that um i think all, seeing those guys around town just shows that they still love the pirates and uh that's a good thing interesting stat there a stat to consider uh we would call it here on the show camo great to chat with you man have a great call with the voice on saturday and uh, we'll talk to you again soon appreciate it clip all right always enjoy talking to kevin and rogan his thoughts 
on the game wants to see a better offensive performance and and look that defense got to play better as well going to be all hands on deck for saturday when the pirates take on the tulane green wave we'll hear what mike houston had to say earlier today at his weekly press conference as we continue on the bud light ecu report brought to you by bud light great for game day uh, so pick some up for this Saturday for your tailgating and enjoy one uh, while you're watching the game as well. We roll on with the Bud Light ECU report. Mike Houston comments on the way after this. listening to hour two of pirate radio live save lives be a hero and make one thousand dollars your very first month donating plasma at griffles biomat usa start now at biomat usa on 505 south memorial drive a better donor experience and better pay now back to the show welcome back from sales to service greenville auto world has all your vehicle needs covered Shop all of their inventory now at GreenvilleAutoWorld.net. If you're also looking for someone to service your vehicle, Greenville Auto World has a full service and repair facility. Brakes, oil changes, tires, inspections, and they can repair any kind of vehicle. Greenville Auto World across from Speedway at Bells Fork and online at GreenvilleAutoWorld.net. Thanks to Tim Sutton and Jim Rogers for their sponsorship of the program. Now let's head back into PRL. Here's your host, Clip Brock. All right, rolling right along on Pirate Radio Live, our Bud Light ECU report on this Tuesday. We'll uh, talk in-depth Pirates coming up with Stephen Igo in about 20 minutes or so. But right now we'll hear some of the comments from Mike Houston earlier today. And uh, Kevin Monroe just said it. When he joined us, and Mike Houston reiterated it, how good of a coach Willie Fritz is and how well-coached this Tulane football team is. Cut to show. Well, I mean, I, I, I said it during preseason camp. I really like our room there. It's one that we've worked very hard to build over the last couple of years. Uh, that's the wrong um, – uh, You know, so it's, it's – Might have loaded the wrong date there. If you can uh, fix that for me. We had a 9-28-20 and a 9-28-21. So my old eyes – we're mistaken on that one, but Shirley is going to get it fixed momentarily. <laughs> and now, see that I, I get on Chandler a lot. Now he is piling on me from Studio B, and I'm the one wearing the dunce cap. Boo! Yeah, sorry, Captain Bill. I messed it up. That one's on me, but now we're ready to go talk about Willie Fritz. Well, I think you see, you know, Coach Fritz's fingerprints everywhere uh, on the program. Um, you know, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams, I think you see a very physical football team. That's the biggest thing that stands out. You know, when you watch their offensive line, the way they play, you know, Coach and I have a very similar philosophy on how, uh, you know, how the game should be played. Uh, and I think it's just very obvious, uh, you know, watching them, uh, just seeing his philosophy there. So uh, I think the physicality is the big thing that stands out. Certainly they have talented players. Quarterback's a great player, uh, but that's the first thing that pops. <clears throat> All right, and a uh, throat clearance from Mike Houston there at the end that I didn't edit. I'm having a rough day on the editing side of things. You know, sometimes uh, you're the host, you get a little big-headed, and you you do a worse job on your off-the-air duties, and boy, that happened to me on this Tuesday. And you also loaded up another cut that was <laughs> All right. incorrect. All right, look, no need to pile on. <laughs> you can keep that behind the scenes, Shirley. I was just you know thank you you could tell me off the air next time i'd appreciate it sure thank you 
Uh, is cut three ready? Yeah, cut three's ready. Great. Uh, Ronnie Woodward asked, you know, you're going to watch what Tulane has done this year. How much are you looking back at the East Carolina Tulane game from last year since there's so many familiar faces? Well, yeah, I think, I think that makes sense to look at it. We have looked at it uh, in detail. I mean, I think you look at the – you look at the sampling from the first four games this year, uh, and then you look at the stuff they did last year, because it is, is the same quarterback. It's a different coordinator, uh, but it's still same head coach, same philosophy, uh, and, and the same quarterback. So, you know, they're going to look at the things they did well against us last year. We're going to look at the things that, you know, we struggled with last year as we're, as we're putting together a game plan and kind of mesh that with what, uh, you know, what we've seen from the first four ball games. All right, one of the Pirates' stars, potentially the MVP of this team, you probably have to go Keaton Mitchell, Jaquan McMillan, but John Young is certainly in the running. Got some uh, national notoriety. I believe he was the Ray Guy Award punter of the week. So John Young, uh, first just a man with a cool mustache. Now he's known for his leg. And uh, Mike Houston talks about how well he's punted this year. Well, I think the big uh, improvement on John you know, this year from last year has been the consistency. Uh, he's doing a tremendous job with hang time uh, as well as distance. You know, last year he would hit a good one. He would hit one that wasn't so good. You know, he, he would hit one with great distance. It wouldn't have great hang time. He was just very inconsistent. Uh, he worked very, very hard in the offseason. Uh, and, and that hard work is showing. Uh, you know, you know his, his, his punts are all four-plus hang time. Uh, and with the play of our gunners, you know, Josiah, Josiah Hatfield's the one that really stood out the other night. You know, it's really forcing a lot of fair catches. And then, you know, you look at the last punt of the ball game, you know, in that situation, I wanted to make sure we were sound in protection so we stayed in a base punt formation so we would make sure that the kick was protected. But I really just told him, I said, this is where we need the ball. Uh, and, you know, he's, he was able to put it right where we needed it, just side downed it on the two-yard line, which created a long field uh, and really set up the ending of the ball game. So you're doing a great job. You know, I think that, uh, you know, you're going to see two of, I think, the best two of the best punters in the league, uh, you know, this week. Uh, Tulane's punter is one of the top punters in the country. Uh, so you're going to see two of the better specialists uh, that there are this this, uh, this weekend. All right, great job cutting up that cut by me earlier today. Uh, but I am getting roasted right now. Um, Bo Bats chimes in. Y'all started laughing before I even said – the cut down because you know it's going to be pretty good if it's Bo Bats. If it's Bo Bats, it's going to be good. He said, "Way to go, Clipper Hines." Ooh, that uh, that, Ooh. that's a West Hines reference. Former producer dude. here, dude, easy. And uh, great to have Brian Bailey tuning in. What a guy he is, right? He says uh, the Cowboys look so good they got you all screwed up. So I'm not dumb like some Cowboy fans. Thank you, Brian. Uh, yeah, th- hey, the piling on, it's happening. Even um, igloo really just shows you how rare i make mistakes because people are so <laughs> shocked by it <laughs> now i'm able to cover up a lot of the uh the errors that i make on a daily basis so uh all right look everything's fine we're all good to go now right shirley yes we are all good to uh, go all right everything's running like a well-oiled machine here on pirate radio live that has an occasional hiccup <laughs> sure it's like any line of work <laughs> um all right let's hear uh, mike houston's thoughts on Tulane through four games this 2021 season well you know they played uh you know very well at oklahoma uh opening weekend you know had a chance to win the ball game on the final drive and i think uh you know i think pratt earned a lot of respect uh from the oklahoma oklahoma faithful just the way he competed that day um had a tough game at ole miss uh but you know 
Ole Miss is, you know, they're having a pretty good, pretty special year. You know, they've got a pretty big ball game this week also. But, uh, you know, I think that, you know, Tulane's well-tested. Uh, you know, they had a tough loss to UAB the other night in a game that I'm sure Coach Fritz feels like they should have won. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a big challenge for us. Um, you know, as you look back over the span of the last 11 games or so that we've played, uh, you know, the Tulane game last year is one that stands out where, you know, I didn't feel like we played – uh, you know, at our best. You know, we were coming off the, the tough, the tough game at Tulsa, and certainly met, that may have had a little bit to do with it. But at the end of the day, you know, you, you did not have one of your better performances against this group last year. So, um, you know, our kids are going to be motivated. Uh, you know, between you know the way we played last Saturday night and first conference football game, and and you know that performance last year against Tulane. I mean, our group's going to be motivated. Uh, you know, that they want to play well. They want to they want to figure out a way to win this ball game, and so. Uh, I expect us to have a great week of practice this week. Uh, I expect us to be ready to play at 3.30 on Saturday, and I expect us to play very well. All right, Ronnie Woodward asked the question that you never get a good answer from a coach from. Uh, We'll see what Mike Houston had to say about it, but he said, what would a win mean for this team? What would a win in this game mean? I and everyone thinks it would mean a lot for the 2021 season and for the the Mike Houston era at East Carolina moving forward. This is a really important ball game coming up on Saturday at Dottie Ficklin Stadium. Uh, did Mike Houston give that kind of answer? We'll hear right now. Well, it's, it's a big game for a lot of reasons. I mean, and, and not to you know, de-escalate your question, it would mean we're 1-0 in the conference. I mean, that's what it would mean to win this ball game. And so it would mean we're 3-2 and two on the season. Uh, I think when you do look at big picture, I mean, it's, it would be obviously a big next step. Um, you know, we've, you know, you look over the span, like I said, of the last 11 games, we've done some really good things. You look over the span of the last six games, we're four and two, you're two and two to start the season. So you're seeing some positive things, big picture wise. Uh, so, you know, as far as that's concerned, then yeah, it's, it, it's, a, it's a big ball game for us. But the biggest reason it's a big ball game is because it's the next one, it's the conference opener, it's a home game, it's a conference opponent, it's a good conference opponent, it would be a quality win. But, no, we got our hands full. We're going to play our tails off Saturday to have a shot. All right, Mike Houston, not Mark Lindsay, dropping the big ball game there. Uh, Interesting. And I I think he answered that about as well as you're going to hear any coach answer that kind of question. He started with the obvious. Well, it means we'd be 1-0. It means we'd be 3-2. But then he got to the big picture and how important this game is coming up on Saturday, a double big ball game. Uh, for the Pirates. Coming up 3.30, we'll be with you 11.30 on the Bud Light pregame tailgate on Saturday, taking you up to kickoff and then after the game on the U.S. Sailor fifth quarter call-in show. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Steve and I go hoist the colors will join us. We'll continue on our Bud Light ECU report. We'll make some picks, talk playoff baseball, and more when we return on Pirate Radio Live here on a Tuesday. We're back with you after this. You're 
listening to Hour 2 of Pirate Radio Live. Save lives, be a hero, and make $1,000 your very first month donating plasma at Griffles Biomat USA. Start now at Biomat USA on 505 South Memorial Drive. A better donor experience and better pay. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Do you need custom t-shirts, apparel, or promotional items for your business, organization, or event? We'll keep it local. Print it local with University Sportswear. Contact them today at universitysportswearenc.com, the official sportswear provider of Pirate Radio for 18 years. Now let's head back in to Pirate Radio Live. Here's your host, Cliff Rock. All right, back with you on Pirate Radio Live. Stephen Igo just criticizing everything today. A lot of haters, a lot of haters, a lot of people just want to see others fail. But anyway, <laughs> like that guy wants to see you fail steven that's fine i mean hey nice shirt thanks i um repping the brand the voice of the pirate nation so everything you say today steven represents the pirate nation just remember that wow that's a lot of pressure a lot of pressure um charlie Rhodes here intern jalen here chandler honeycutt here and i'm clip brock steven um Mike Houston said it himself twice in the last cut we played. Big ball game coming up this Saturday. Uh, I think it's huge. I'll tell, we'll talk about it more in a moment, but let's look back. Uh, sorry, Benjamin, turn off your – as Mike Tyson <laughs> – This is our look back segment. As Mike Tyson once said, turn off your station. Uh, turn off your station, Benjamin, and uh, because we're going to look back at Saturday. Stephen, uh, a win's a win, and that is – just about the ugliest win i can remember yeah following pirate football i love ruff mcneil but him saying there's no such thing as an ugly win i mean come on ruff that was an ugly win i mean that was how about the phrase there's no such thing as a bad win yeah i agree with that more so than ugly win because it was ugly and i think you know in a weird way and i'll get more into this i think it may end up being the best thing that can happen to ecu because the motivated ecu is the best ecu um this next game will dictate how the season goes and we'll get into that but certainly ideally you would like to go out there and win 56 to 10 and play all the backups and we had so much talk about that going into the game I, you know I, I think it was weaver or troy on the the air right before i came on the pregame show saying you know ecu needs to win by five touchdowns or whatever and play all these guys i'm like you know i know the players are hearing this and i don't know you know it's not our fault for talking about it because it's honestly what should happen but I just don't ECU has had such little success they have such little experience being the favorite this roster in particular I just didn't think they knew how to handle it and Charleston Southern played a, a phenomenal game you had the you had really ECU not up for the game to start with Charleston Southern had a good enough athlete at quarterback to where he's good enough to win that game basically just because he's really good even though Charleston Southern is not a good team if ECU is not up for the game which we saw almost take place I, uh, boy, I never really like blame the players, but for not being up for the game, that is on the players. They themselves admitted, and then, you know, well, they're talking s- to them yesterday. Yeah. They're always going to say the right thing leading up to the game. They're never going to say, oh, we're overlooking our opponent. But, but they, they had got over the Marshall win. They were focused. That's ready. what they said, but in reality. And, well, I, and I'm blaming yeah. them for not being ready. That's because fine. Mike Houston really wanted to win because he was 0-3 against Charleston Southern. I think the coaches yeah. did everything they could. And, you know, we're not out of practice. Maybe they didn't – maybe the coaches didn't set the tempo good enough either. You know, 
the players, the coaches, it falls on everybody. You, you can't you can't come out and you know giving up the first drive is okay. You can't give up a ninety eight yard drive to oh, Charleston. Boy, that Southern. was brutal. That I mean, like get up the first drive against Tempo. I get it. Like bad teams score first drive touchdowns all the time because it's scripted. They come out doing something that's not expected. But you can't give up that ninety eight yard drive. And they did make good adjustments after that. Um, but <laughs> were man, you nervous was, at the end of the game when John Young pinned him at the three? Yeah, after what I oh I, I mean honestly, <laughs> if they would have got the ball at the twenty, they would have tied the game. It's just they ran out of time. It was like uh, <laughs> as I'm reading that graphic, uh, I I you know they turned it on in the second quarter and then they flipped the switch off. And I don't know if that's a coaching thing, a mindset thing, or what philosophy thing. But once they turned it off. It seemed like the game was over, and Charleston Southern seemed beat until that pick in the end zone, and then all of a sudden everything changed, and then ECU couldn't turn it back on. Yeah. Uh, Mike brought up a good point. Sorry to sidetrack, but uh, he said, first thing Igloo does when he comes on is insult Ruff. Shaking my head. I said I love Ruff. That's how I started it. So technically, I started it as I love Ruff. I'm just saying. Right out of the gate, you just call Ruff out. I mean, I wow. Coming in hot. Hall of Famer, Steven. How about, oh, yeah. did you hear Kevin Monroe's interview earlier at all? I heard some of it, yeah. And he said um, Jeff Charles had told him the stat that, like, three fired ECU coaches are in the Hall of Fame. And, like, rough and who? And did he say maybe Emory? Yeah. I, I, I was kind of laughing over his answer. Sorry about that. Bad hosting on my part. Um, but and look guys kind of wear out their welcome it's time for a change of scenery it happens sports it's it's happened uh at different places i just thought it was an interesting stat so it is but i mean you look at it like to me the best coach in broncos history mike shanahan he got fired because eventually you just like you know what coaches really gets to retire on their terms dan reeves i don't know did he get fired uh he could not not win a super bowl so yeah so he's not one of the best coaches of all time. No, uh, and he didn't like John Elway. Um, McDaniels. What's his first name? Joshua. Josh McDaniels. He started 6-0, and and I think he finished 2-14. and We'll talk NFL a little later on. All right, I go uh, East Carolina, Tulane, monster game. How do you <laughs> handicap what Tulane's done so far this season? We all saw them against Oklahoma. We thought they were going to be world beaters. Since then, they have not looked good. Well, they've played Ole Miss. Top, they've played a top ten team, a top fifteen team, and the Conference USA champions. So, I mean, they haven't played a bad team. The okay. only bad team they played was Morgan State, and they beat the crap out of them. So, scored sixty nine. Here's my thing on Tulane. Tulane is basically the same team they always are: six and six, seven and five caliber. The team we're kind of trying to be right yeah, now. Yeah, and they, they get to those games. They get to that record because they beat teams like ECU. So, like, if ECU wants to get to that record, they have to start winning these games. This is – the past two years, there's been a critical game in the middle of ECU's schedule that, that's a swing game, and this is it again this year. Last year it was Tulane as well in many respects, and ECU did not play well in that football game. Granted, they were coming off the Tulsa game. The first year under Coach Houston was South Florida at home. ECU laid an egg. Bad performance. So, this, I think ECU's had this game circled since last year. They were outplayed in every facet by a wide margin in a huge game last year. And so, how rare is it that you get not only a second shot at the same team, but you get them in the same venue and you get them at home the following year? That doesn't happen a lot. 
talking to uh, to the coach and, and players today, I just feel like this is a, a game that has been circled a while. They'll be b- very motivated. This will not be an issue as far as motivation this week. So uh, you combine that with what happened against Charleston Southern, I think you're going to get an extremely focused football team on ECU side. Now the other, the flip side of that, Tulane is one and three. If they lose this game. They're probably on the outside looking in as far as they are games. desperate. So you're going to get two desperate teams, in my opinion, which should create for a great football game. And I think they're pretty evenly matched. I think Tulane probably, you know, is better offensively, and I think ECU is better defensively. And hmm. we'll see what happens on special teams. Uh, Both teams are good on special teams. I like our punter in the matchup. Their punter is also elite. Their punter is not John Young. Go look at his numbers. I don't even know his name. I'm just. I mean, how, where do I find that information? Um, I got punt returns. Where's my punting information? Ryan Wright. What a basic name. He's averaging 48 yards a punt. That's pretty good. Good. Yeah, average 48. He's already got eight punts beyond 50 yards. <laughs> Holy moly! All right, he's a field flipper. John Young is also a field flipper. I know. This could be a battle of the punters. The problem is, I don't know. uh, Where's Vegas getting this 64.5 total from, Iga? Is ECU's offense going to do enough to... Tulane's defense is not good, and ECU's... um, And Tulane's offense is good. Yeah. And I think... I don't know. And you look at it, too. ECU's offense right now not sustaining drives, but they are scoring a decent amount on the explosive <laughs> They're scoring plays, big plays. Which has been like the complete opposite of what ECU usually is. Yeah. So it's, it's weird, man. Um, you know, they got to get back to getting like those four and five yard runs and not be sitting in second and nine or they can't miss a play on first down in the passing game that's there. I mean, there's just so many issues right now offensively and – it's all kind of tied together because, like, you go back and watch the game, and you're like, where's Josiah Hatfield? I think he only played 11 snaps. Why isn't he getting touches? Why isn't Ryan Jones getting thrown the ball? Why isn't Shane Calhoun getting thrown the ball? Well, it's hard to get those dudes the ball when you only have three plays a series. Like, you can't go three and out and get 10 different guys the ball. At some point, you got to get a first down. EC ran 50-something plays. Charleston Southern ran 105 plays, counting penalties. I mean, you you... The defense gave up a lot of yards, but ECU actually averaged more yards per play by over a full yard. Time of possession was shocking as well. It was like three minutes difference. Yeah, because... And, and I thought it would be 15 minutes difference. And Charleston Southern ran so fast. Oh, yeah. But they were on the field so long. You know, ECU, I think, defensively was 8 of 20 on third down, which is not, not great. But, again, ECU offensively, 2 of 12 third down too many three and outs in the second half i think the the fourth quarter maybe the one run by keaton mitchell may have been their only first down of the fourth quarter like they just i would love to see steven i don't have you seen any numbers on what our average distance is on third down it i mean it has to be third and six or seven i right. don't think i mean it's consistently too long and and when ecu gets to drive going usually it's because they're getting a first down on second down like they get eight yards on first down, pick up five on second down. It seems like very rarely they're even in the opportunity to go like third and short. Yeah. Because, you know, we complain about it when they're in third and short and they run Rajay and get stuff. But in reality, that's probably happened, what, three times this year? 
Like, it seems like they're always in third and eight. Now, I know that Holton's second pick came on third and ten. You know, the first pick came on second and five. With a, you rewatched this game, I'm assuming. I rewatched this game. It was <laughs> painful like you know to watch. A lot about it. And you look at the offense, too. Everybody wants to blame the offensive line for the running game. The running backs, too, are missing cuts. I mean, there are, there are yeah, plays. Yeah, some great steal shots of that. There are plays where the, the there's a hat on the hat in the running game. And Pro Football Focus actually graded out ECU's O-line in this game well above average. And I saw that initially. I'm like, you crazy, man? I watched the game, and like they got no push up front. But then you rewatch it, and there's space there, and the running backs are just missing the hole. So it's not just an O-line problem. It's not just a quarterback problem. You know, it really is everything, and that's what makes that is it concerning. So frustrating. Well, yeah, concerning. Yeah, concerning, frustrating. Like there's always, there's like one person messing up. Yeah, every play. You know. All right, Johnny, our hoops guy, has a hoops question. We'll get to that next hour. We'll make some picks next hour. We've got some picks controversy, but since I'm a nice guy, I'm going to give Igo the benefit of the doubt on that. We'll talk about that, and. Um, nobody's talking about the mariners maybe we shouldn't either yeah at this point legit just but i i i gave you a uh a path last week i go and they're they're on that path you gave me a path i gave you a, a, a path the the path to playoffs okay i said if they go this and this stuff i i i might have spoken <laughs> into existence you're gonna give me no credit for that I don't remember. <laughs> I honestly don't. I must have been occupied. I said if the Mariners go seven and two, and you got all these teams beating up on each other, and the that, problem is they're chasing the Red Sox, who play the Orioles and Nationals. I know, year. but the Red Sox—they're not that good. So if the Mariners went out. I think they could catch the Red Sox. I think they control their own destiny, despite being what a game and a half back right mm-hmm. now. All right, we kind of just talked about it, so we don't we'll need talk to talk about, about that anymore. All right, let's take a timeout. We'll come back. Hour three of Pirate Radio Live. More on our Bud Light ECU report. And we'll make you a winner. Open up the booty bag. It's all ahead. We're back with you after this. You're listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by Carolina Hardscapes. Making memories with your family and friends is what life is all about. If you have a dream of having a backyard patio fireplace, pool walkways, fire pits, or more, then Carolina Hardscapes is the place to call. Get started on your dreams today at Carolina Hardscapes on Fire Tower Road, across from Bostick Sug Furniture. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Making memories with your family and friends is what life is all about. And if you have a dream of make, of having a backyard pa- uh, patio fireplace or a pool walkway, fire pit, or more, then Carolina Hardscapes is the place to call at 364-1201. Or you can stop by the Carolina Hardscapes Outdoor Showroom on Fire Tower Road across from Bostick Sun Furniture. Get started on your dreams today at Carolina Hardscapes. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Clip Perron. Welcome back into Pirate Radio Live here on a uh, Super Tuesday. Hope you're having a great one. Lovely day outside the Pirate Radio Studios. I always laugh when I do that. Because I think you're like looking at me from a different angle, but you're just looking out the window. No, I'm looking outside. This is you, man. That's supposed to be funny. What are you you laughing at? 
Was that supposed to be, be talking and just like pulling? I like to look outside and see what's happening, even though I just walked outside. It's it, a beautiful day. Thank you, uh, Bono. I don't care about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll move on, Cliff. That was I fun. don't care about the weather. Cliff Godwin does not care about the weather, Stephen. Um, any baseball news? <laughs> I saw some guys in the bullpen today. You saw some guys in the bullpen. Speak on that. I saw some guys. Who were they? Um, I can't remember. He, he wore number 55. Steven? Landon Ginn. Ah, yeah, that guy. Landon Ginn was in the bullpen in the today. Bullpen. There's our baseball update. Bud Light ECU report. From 300 yards away, I could tell he was really looking, working on his changeup. Well, Ronnie likes to do the thing where he sees a guy pitch for like one inning right he just rolls out to fall practice that guy pitched that one inning in that scrimmage i saw and his latest one he hit on two years ago was cj mayhew yeah. uh so he's been on to something there so you calling for a big year from landon gibb landon gibb is that his name gin 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 i was thinking Gen. of the bgs landon gibb you gotta come out for this fastball uh i go i do have a basketball question don't, don't roll your eyes shake we're your getting head. baseball and basketball it could be a total doing, go road johnny says why I we have, don't play two lane in a pivotal game yeah. this week any news out of hoops practice did they start today yeah today's the first day of practice so i texted coach julie and i was wanting to come out this week and uh, hopefully he didn't say uh it could be a total goat it could rodeo. be a total goat rodeo <laughs> he did not but he he had uh kind of hinted that i should probably come out next week because they'll be like actually running stuff you know the first few days of practice they're just kind of shooting doing whatever so i'm gonna go out there next week and hopefully have a full report um i'm hearing positive things though <laughs> I, again i'm trying for to, the 87 straight year <laughs> i'm trying to temper know, my expectations but i've heard some positive things well here's just one for you ecu is not gonna be good in basketball this year that's that's i mean based off our track record of east carolina hoops i would agree that that is a fair take until we see otherwise but that will upset a team it'll be wichita state we've already yes, we've called already, that one we've already called that one. there's gonna be some good individual performances there's gonna be some new guys to watch so i'm i don't get me wrong i'm excited about basketball i love basketball uh somebody will be hurt unfortunately and then somebody that we expect to make a big impact will not and then somebody that we don't expect to make a big impact will make a big impact ECU will lose probably, even though it didn't really happen last year, to a non-conference team they shouldn't lose to. And then, like you said, they'll beat a conference team at home that they should not, and that will be Wichita State. I'm going to say by this time next week we have a schedule. Or do I mean, it's come out in September. And I'm going to say that next Tuesday we're going to do our game-by-game -game predictions. Will you let me talk? Will you let me talk? All right, go ahead. I've already got ECU 8-4 and four in the non-con. Okay, well, I want to do the full schedule. 8-4, and four, so they're losing to Oklahoma, Liberty. Who else? Uh, Oklahoma, Liberty, another game in that tournament that Oklahoma's in. Oh, uh, yeah. And then some game they shouldn't lose. Southwest Missouri Tech or something. <laughs> Limestone. Gardner-Webb. Tim Kraft. Lee College. Washington and Lee uh so uh oh, do they play uh tim craft revenge game yeah it's not really revenge but uh matt's got another uh based off history ecu <laughs> prediction somebody will make it a big impact and enter the portal you know what matt you're probably right and that's a bummer 
That really had not happened though until Jaden did it. Because, as far as like a big impact, yeah, like yeah. It, previously it was all the guys who weren't playing. That's yeah. what made that situation so shocking, is because you know you like it's not like Tristan Newton entered the portal after a big freshman year, or Brandon Suggs. It was just kind of happened out of nowhere. Man, I'm a not I'm, that I didn't expect it. I'm a Brandon Suggs guy. I hope he takes a big step forward uh, this upcoming year. Any thoughts on that? I I like Brandon Suggs a lot too. I think he's a great uh, great complimentary piece that most good teams have. All right, there is your basketball update. That was for Johnny and only Johnny, Johnny Gardner. So uh, thank you for checking in, Johnny. Uh, monster game. I go. I said it at the top of the show, and I usually don't go with these like overly dramatic hot takes, but I do feel like this game is not only important to 2021, but is important for the legacy, the Mike Houston era to win this game especially if you win if you lose it close there's still gonna be a lot of people upset and and for you know for good reason but if you lose it by a lot i just feel like the approval rating of mike houston is going to drop dramatically and up until this point uh four games into year three um he's had a pretty high i would say approval rating and you know it's going to take time he can get it done so people have been patient people probably need to be even more patient that's tough to say and people don't want to hear that and i understand but i think the patience might run out if you lose by 14 21 to Tulane this saturday yeah i would say at minimum it needs to be a competitive game i mean that's the expectation year three a team you're equal to yeah a team that historically ecu has been better than now of course fritz has obviously been at tulane longer he's built the program completely whereas mike houston you know technically is still building but i still i feel like at some point you have to make that leap you are in year three you look at willie fritz in his third year i think they made a bowl game somebody have to check that but they were you know right around that six and six mark um maybe it took till year four i don't know either way this is a huge game again i thought they underperformed last year against Tulane. they were outplayed outcoached everything and i think that this is an important game to ecu so i think you're going to get ecu's best shot if they i think Tulane, as we mentioned earlier will play its best and so to me the pirates have got to show some sort of progress and you know, if they lose the game by field goal on a bad break or whatever, I think most fans, while they'll be pissed, you know, can't live with that. If they go out there and get beat on your home field in front of 35,000, 40,000 by three touchdowns, then you have problems. So that, That's another thing. East Carolina fans who have gone out to Dowdy Ficklin Stadium have not been entertained by this football team in 2021, other than one quarter. Yeah, I agree and, with that. And I good mean, defense against South Carolina. Yeah. I mean, we just have not seen a complete game. We haven't seen anything close to a complete game at this point, which is good and bad. You know, four games in, you should say, like, at some point you you need to see a complete game. You could also look at it as they're 2-2 two and two without playing anywhere close to their best. So, uh, again, the entire narrative can change. If they win this game and play extremely well, then you go into UCF and Houston with house money in both games. I don't think any EC fan realistically expects them to win those games. If you lose this game... Uh, Houston starts to feel a lot more winnable. I don't yeah, know. And, I don't. and at least if you win this game, you go to UCF thinking you have and a shot. And you're excited, yeah. There's no Dylan Gabriel. Yeah. It's a big loss. So, you know, you win this game, you can live off that momentum for the next three weeks. Yep. Because there's a buy in there as well. You lose this game, it's just going to be tough because, you know, unless you really turn it around, you're probably looking at two and five. 
and then it's just tough to make a bowl game at that point, even though you have some winnable games down the stretch. So, critical game. This is when ECU's got to put it together and play its best. I mean, this is the time to put it together. Gotta have it. I don't know what other way to put it. It's just a, a huge game, and if you win this, it, it changes everything. Much like the Marshall game. You know, we talk about swing games. South Carolina could have been that, whatever, you know, but the Marshall game is one. If you lose that game, everybody's pretty down in the dumps right now but at least you now you have some hope because this, you won that game this is the one i feel like you and ronnie say it every year that like tulane, tulane is, is always the, the swing game. last year of scotty's uh scotty's tenure they still had a shot at a bowl if they would have pulled that one out and they you know quite honestly outplayed tulane on the road and then tulane hit like five monster touchdowns of like 60 yards um because all ecu did was blitz and play man coverage and that ended up costing them the game but, yeah, it is, this is a huge game. There's no other way to say it. Yeah, and let's say you – okay, because you win this one and then you lose the next two, but you come home on a Thursday night on ESPN versus South Florida with a chance to get back to, what, 4-4 four and four at that point in the season, if I'm doing my numbers right. If you win this one? Let's yeah, say yeah. you win this yes. one, lose on the road at UCF Houston. You're 3-4, you're and four, but you can get to four and four with a win on national TV on ESPN on a Thursday night with Temple coming up next with potentially win number five. Like, you got to win this game Saturday because it. Well, if you win this game, you're going to a bowl. That, that I mean, it's as simple as that. Is that a Tony Collins guarantee? I don't know because I can't get there because I don't think ECU wins on Saturday. Well, that's the thing is. Like, I think deep down, the coaching staff realizes how important this game is. but And the players kind of do, too. But you can't, in preparation for this game, you can't, like, say your entire season rides on this game. So, how, how do you strike that balance between I, the coaches? It's a great point. If you, you know, you look at it, you're like, we can't put so much pressure on the kids to where, like, you have to win this game. And they go out there and, like, they freak well, out. Well, you start taking away scholarships. You start cutting guys. <laughs> and then if you lose, like, the season's over. So I know. You can't do that. You absolutely can't. But can. from our perspective, we can look at the schedule and we're like, this is the game that can make or break the season. I remember doing a dang podcast about cussing the air. I remember doing a podcast last year. Is The title was, is the two-lane game a make-or-break game for the ECU season? And it ended up being a break game because yeah. even though they finished three and six, they had no shot at a bowl because they lost that game. And honestly, I feel the same way for the most part about this game. Unless they find a way to steal UCF or Houston, which is you, just you, a tall You order. steal one on the road at Houston like you did Marshall, then you're back in the good graces. Yeah. But that's just not that's not. It's likely. not the way you want to do it. East you know? Carolina's going to be underdogs. You want to win the game at home that's winnable. That's the easiest path. You know, one company once said, we must protect this house, Stephen. This is a we must protect this house game for East Carolina. And if you know, is this a bird up game? No, no, it's not. It's <laughs> not, right. not carried away. Okay, it's not a bird up game. Oh, we we uh, <laughs> we primarily save UAB for bird up games. So when they're in the American in 2026, we'll bring back a bird up game. Speaking of American news, uh, did you have something else? I was just gonna say, man, kudos to the Pirate Nation for showing up. You know, I honestly thought the days of like 43 to 45 thousand may have been gone. Um, but you know the fact that forty thousand people showed up for Charleston Southern leads me to believe that if the Pirates can get this thing back rolling again, we will see consistent crowds in the forty thousand range, which is very promising to me. 
I was very worried after the pandemic and after the last five, six years that we wouldn't get back to that good game day atmosphere. Yeah. But the fans that were there Saturday were loud. I mean, they were into the game. It was fun. It felt right. The tailgating scene was awesome. And I feel like this Saturday should be much of the same homecoming. I don't know what the number will be, but ECU's got to get back to the point again where they capitalize on that home field advantage. I mean, it used to just be an absolute menace to come play at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium and now I feel like teams come in here expecting to win. It used to be an intimidating environment and I think if ECU could get some wins under the belt we could get back to that. I mean Ronnie, yeah, this is the Under Armour game of the Mike Houston era. I think that is simple as that. Put that out there. Um, Teams got to do their part. Like the fans uh, we have this argument in basketball all the time like if you pack the house with a team play yeah. well and and get a win and they, but do the does the team have to show you something for you to show up to Menji's? well now the, the people are showing up it's not a packed house at dowdy ficklin by any means but 40, enough people to make a difference yeah. and yeah. to be loud sounds good on tv when mitchell broke that run um but uh the the players on the field have to do their part the coaches have to do their part at this point because the fans are there wanting to be excited about something steven so let's give them something to talk about how about a win over tulane on saturday we'll be back after that just kidding uh matt norlander what's up matt confirms that brett mcmurphy reports that (laughs) Matt, matt norlander can confirm a brett mcmurphy report okay it's one of those double confirmations well i mean that is your job as a reporter to confirm you need multiple sources and all that uh that colorado state and air force are heavily involved in talks to leave the mountain west and join the american and this is why i don't talk about realignment because this i'm excited about this move for one reason okay because uh when you're gonna join the air force when east carolina plays either of these teams on the road i can go to denver broncos game both are about one hour from denver and that is the only reason i'm excited about this move good call there steven way to look at the bright side mr bright side uh i'm gonna be coming out of my cage on this news because these are gonna be some late ace post game shows late ace late ace 10 30 kickoff time in colorado state um i feel like air force usually plays early in the day though even if they're playing at home hey i'm excited about this for one reason chandler because it's going to be awesome to talk to Brett Kennedy, who's a Colorado State alum, about how awesome this game is going to be. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Brett Kennedy likes to say the word awesome a lot. Well, obviously, it's an awesome situation. It's awesome. It's going to be, <laughs> this game's going to be awesome. And then it's going to be awesome. So uh, that would be two added, I go, to make what? 11? No. 10. 10. All right, Bill Belichick. So they want to get to 12, right? I think so. But you make this move to kind of like stabilize yourself and then you reevaluate. Yeah. Can you get Boise? Can you get San Diego State after these teams make this move? It doesn't seem likely, but maybe if that pulls away from the Mountain West strength, maybe they reconsider it. All right. We'll uh, take a break. Let's make somebody a winner right now, Shirley Rhodes, and open up the Pirate Radio Bootay Bag. Booty, 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 booty everywhere. Booty, 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 booty everywhere. 317-1250 is the number. Shirley, what do you want to give away on this Tuesday? Uh, How about a shrimp taco lunch, courtesy of Chico's? Man, I want that now. 
throw some rice and beans beside that mug. That'd be a, a fantastic meal. I want that for dinner tonight. Tonight. 317-1250. What caller are we looking for? Let's go with caller number 12. All right, caller 12. 317-1250. You can be the winner of a shrimp taco from Chico's. More to go on Pirate Radio Live after this. You're listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by Carolina Hardscapes. Making memories with your family and friends is what life is all about. If you have a dream of having a backyard patio fireplace, cool walkways, fire pits, or more, then Carolina Hardscapes is the place to call. Get started on your dreams today at Carolina Hardscapes on Fire Tower Road, across from Bostick Sun Furniture. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Quality Equipment is your full-service John Deere dealer with 28 locations to serve you. Quality Equipment is open in Winterville next to Sam's Club, or you can go online at qualityequip.com to find the location near you. And congratulations to Bobby Swords of Winterville. Picked up a shrimp taco lunch courtesy of Chico's. Grab your amigos and head to Chico's. Enjoy your favorites like shrimp tacos, steak and chicken fajitas, burritos, enchiladas, ACP, and more. Plus, ice cold cervezas and Chico's famous margaritas are always available. For Mexican food and fun, it's got to be Chico's. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Clip Barack. Back with you on Pirate Radio Live on a Tuesday. The Bud Light EC Report brought to you by Bud Light. Check it out on game day Saturday. Have a Bud Light while you listen to the Bud Light pregame tailgate this Saturday, 11.30 to 3.30, which means Steve and Igo will be joining us at around 1.30 on Saturday. Um, As part of your... Yeah, yeah, looking like it. We might want to talk about changing times, though. Uh, We'll have that discussion off the air. Sounds good. We have an off-the-air meeting coming up after this segment. Steven, uh, let's make some picks. Uh, let's I th- do it I don't, this is what i look forward to the most every I, week i don't think we can um talk about how important how how important this game is anymore at least with each other i'll do that with other guests later on in the week but uh real quick on last week i thought last tuesday that arkansas and a&m were playing at jerry world so i took arkansas all right okay let me check that I thought last Tuesday Arkansas was playing Texas A&M in Arkansas in Fayetteville. The game's at Jerry World. I didn't realize that until later in the week. I changed my pick to A&M. Arkansas won. I took the L there. On Saturday, I also allowed you to change your pick since I had the location wrong. You said no. I'll just stick with uh, with A&M because mm-hmm. I took A&M. Well, you took Arkansas. I took Arkansas? During the show, you said, I'll just take A&M. I'm going to, being the nice guy I am, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. So you took Arkansas last week. Even though you wanted to take A&M <laughs> Saturday. I said on the pregame show, I'll take A&M. But, I but that's that, because you thought you originally, I thought I took, originally A&M. took A&M. And a lot of these picks are made on, like, gut. Right. Like, first instinct. Your first instinct was to take Arkansas, probably because I told you that game was at Arkansas. But either way... Uh, I'm going to give you the win there. Well, I appreciate that. That's a, a really good thing to do um, because I don't deserve it. Oh, look, sometimes because I thought I picked a <laughs> Sometimes in life, we get what we don't deserve. Sometimes we deserve the world and well, we're, we're given nothing. Case in point, ECU did not deserve to win Saturday, probably. 
and they got the win. And it counts the same as winning sixty-seven to zero. It does. If ECU goes nine and three, who's going to remember that they squeaked by Georgia Southern I got, or uh, Charleston I, Southern? Can we? I got news for you. They're not going nine and three. I'm just saying hypothetically. If ECU goes two and ten, who's going to remember? A lot of people. <laughs> okay. Uh, on the year, I am twelve seven and one against the spread. You are twelve seven and one against the spread. Wow. We're doing great. We're by the way, killing it. I don't know how, but we're doing good. Wait, wait, wait. Marshall's playing ECU this week. Whoops. Let me <laughs> change that. That would be cool though to see a rematch. What if they had in season rematches? That I wouldn't, wouldn't that would not be cool. It's cool. It'd be cool if we lost the first one. I don't want to take on a team we've already beaten though. I mean that's when you just roll out there and you prove that you're the better team. I don't want to do another four hour Bud Light pregame tailgate on Charleston that's... Southern. Although, I, honestly, I would... I would love to see a rematch of ECU and Charleston Southern because I think ECU would win by 50. You are crazy! I'm not crazy. I'm 12-7-1 on picks. Dude! I go, we are not beating that quarterback by 50 points. Yes, sir. He's, if he's, we play he's him not, again... He's not playing that good again, dude. He's not playing that good again. They got to play the game of his life. Mm, mm, mm. we'll never see it so it doesn't matter right, they'd probably win by 30 not 50 is that better no you really think Charles and Southern is going to come in here and play that good again uh, ECU wins by 30 I don't know how many interceptions are we going to throw how many three and outs are we going to have I think ECU approaches the game differently mentally oh my god mentally alright Debbie Al <laughs> Tulane is a four- whatever <laughs> thanks Deb Four-point favorites against East Carolina. Steven, uh, right now on Tuesday, I'm feeling like a 37-24 Tulane win. <laughs> eh, 37-28. I'm taking Tulane minus four. I feel good about the Pirates. I think that the Charleston Southern game, as bad as it looked, would end up being a good thing. Wake-up call. You know, just, I think mo- motivation plays a big role in sports, and I think ECU is like the most – dependent team on motivation at times and i don't know if it's just because i cover them or grew up watching them but i feel like they play their best when everybody doubts them and they have their back against the wall so i expect a good performance saturday i think it's going to be a dog fight i think Tulane's going to play really good i just think it's going to be a good football game maybe it'll end up being a terrible game but it'll be close either way and i think the pirates will prevail uh, I got good news. I finally won a game against the spread last week, taking Charleston Southern, and only because I had ECU winning by 24 and the line was 25 or whatever. So I've been pretty bad picking ECU this year. I think I'm 0 and 4. So. <laughs> Are you? So against App State, I had App State winning, but I had ECU covering. I think you did as well. Yeah, I had ECU covering versus App. I, I do. I changed it to South Carolina, so I got one against South Carolina. I, I had ECU originally. winning outright. I missed that one uh, two ways. You had South Carolina, so you made mm-hmm. you got it right two ways. Against Marshall, I had Marshall winning and covering. I missed that two ways. I had Marshall winning by eleven last week. I had ECU winning, Charleston Southern covering. I won it both ways for the first time this year. So I have not been good picking ECU games. Neither of us have against the spread this year uh outside of that we have been good steven but we're on opposite ends of the spectrum this week so something has to get something. we can't both be wrong 
Something's got to give. Uh, or Tulane could win by four, and we could be we could tie. <laughs> Georgia is an eighteen and a half point favorite against Arkansas. All right, where's this game at? It is not in Fayetteville. It is not in Fort Worth, Arlington, Dallas. It is in Athens, Rome, Greece. Where's Athens? Athens is in Greece. I visited it a couple years ago. Uh, I said Athens, Rome. Oh, there is a Rome, Georgia. It used to be the Rome yeah. Braves, maybe? Uh, this game is in Athens. Georgia, 18.5 point favorite. Georgia's been really freaking good this year. You know who else has been really good? Arkansas. Arkansas. Um. Uh, georgia by 17 still covers i'll take arkansas but i'll take arkansas kind kind of confidently georgia has not been tested at all this year which is crazy to say because they played clemson week one yeah i mean they just i guess that was a test but in reality like i felt like georgia was kind of in control most of that game even though it did go to overtime right what georgia clemson that went overtime no they won in regulation I'm thinking of Clemson Notre Dame last year. Um, give me, uh, give me Arkansas. Mm. All right, huge one for Luke Fickle and the Bearcats. Exactly what needed to happen happened last week when Notre Dame knocked off Wisconsin. They even got style points they didn't deserve with like yeah, two pick, pick sixes, sixes in a matter of like 20 seconds. Uh, Do since, we know the status of Jack Cohn for this game? Um, I I'm, do not. I honestly think if Jack Cohn plays, that influences me to take Cincinnati more because I'm not impressed by Jack Cohn. Interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you can do a pick dependent upon if he plays or not. I'll allow that. Um, just give me Cincinnati. I mean, I. I think even Are you surprised at this line? I felt like even though what, it's three and a half up there? Three and a half Notre Dame. And you have it as two and a half Cincinnati? <laughs> I was about to make the pick based off Notre Dame at three and a half. Hmm. As we're seeing on TV right now. Let me let me check that. I mean, I guess that's the line. But Cincinnati opened up a favor, right? I I couldn't tell you. Maybe I hadn't looked since then. Let me uh, let me find it real quick. Uh, Cincinnati minus two and a half. I don't know where these fools are getting their lines from, but that is not the line. Well, I'm taking Notre Dame. If that's the line we're going off of, two and a half Cincinnati as a road dog. I mean, Cincinnati is really good, but to go to South Bend and win, that is a... I feel like they're going to get screwed by the refs. Yeah, I, just, I feel like it's just tough, man. It's, that it, that it, like... So much build up about Cincinnati for this game. It's hard to like live up to that. So Luke Fickle, you said earlier, Mike Houston can't tell the players, look, guys, this is it. We, we, if you lose this game, season's over. Is Luke Fickle telling that to his team? Basically. Yeah. He has. I, if we want to be uh, have I mean, a chance. Yeah, if you want to play for a national championship, you have to win this game. Not to add pressure to Cincinnati, but like this is the year to make it to a playoff, yeah. right? I mean, Clemson's lost twice. Ohio State's lost. Oklahoma looks bad. Oregon's gonna lose. Do you really believe in Penn State or Iowa to like no, run the table? No, they're gonna lose somebody. Uh, do you believe in? Did you mention Oklahoma? 
do you believe in them they're winning close games every week like cincinnati if they run the table they'll get in i think this is the year they get in and they get to lose to alabama by 24 in the first round but at least they got in uh so this is monster for them having said all that i'll take notre dame too alabama minus 14 and a half against Ole miss you never make money betting against uh alabama but if you did it a couple weeks ago when they played florida you would have where's this game at this game is at alabama and this is oh was it Ole miss that beat them recently or am i making that up not recently last year they put up uh they just put up a bunch of points it was uh 60 something to 40 something i think let me see if i can find that score <laughs> what in the world 63 to 48 last year so if they did that together. again they would almost cover mm. but they would not oh about one yeah half a point good call uh i don't know let's jeff nate dude i don't know how i feel about this game i'll just back him and take old miss i i don't know i'll take old miss uh bama okay and i didn't have a great fifth game to put up here florida's eight and a half on the road at kentucky 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 plays everybody close i'll say they do it against florida Kentucky as well. seems to beat somebody at home now under under their current regime stoops mm-hmm. they're four and oh uh looking good all right i go your broncos are three and oh they have taken care of business like Bachman Turner Overdrive once said, "Who do they? When do they play a real team? This week and for the next like eight weeks. Good. How are they going to play against a real team? Uh, they're going to beat the Ravens on Sunday because they got them at home. And Denver is good at home early in the year historically. Did I see where Chubb's hurt again? The whole team is hurt, which is a problem. Chubb's hurt. KJ Hamler's out for the year. He's their deep threat. Obviously, Jerry Judy's out. Jerry Judy's out. So they're quickly getting hurt, which is the problem. But they've been, you know, they, they haven't just been winning these games. They've been dominating these crappy teams. That is true. Um, I got Melvin Gordon. I go. He is in a timeshare with the rookie Williams, and he's look. Javante Williams look really good. Yeah, as Gordon uh, going to get less and less touches as the I think season so. Goes on. I think, I you know the thing is they haven't really run the ball as well as they should because teams are playing the run so hard that teddy's just picking them apart uh but they could have beat the jets 45 to nothing if they wanted to i mean they basically sat on the ball the second half that's a, the worst team i've ever seen by the way you just uh said a phrase there did you think you'd say before the season teddy's just picking them apart i mean he's he's playing his tail off dude he is uh i i he looks like he did when he was with the saints and with the vikings early in his career and he's making a lot of downfield throws like, What's the he line? He goes through his progressions. He's just good. Are the Ravens favored on the road? Or are they giving Broncos credit? I think Denver's credit? favored. You'd rather Denver be the underdog, right? Probably so, yeah. Uh, let's see. The Broncos are favored by one. Basically a pick them. Denver at home as a favorite is pretty good historically, but okay. I don't know. I mean, it's... Oh, but I thought about this earlier. I go, if, if you gave... If somebody like a Vegas book gave away... Uh, a ten thousand dollar free bet all you have to do just three weeks all you have to do is predict the nfc west standings like give the uh the team's records after just three games and you get a free bet ten thousand dollars that's all you got to do you only get one guess though you can't do multiple entries nobody's getting it no nobody would have the chiefs one and two that maybe fewer than that um 
but nobody would get the Broncos. Well, Broncos, you look at their schedule, maybe. Nobody would have the Raiders 3-0. and Yeah, well, I think everybody looked at the Broncos and were like, they'll probably go 2-1 and to lose one of those games. They shouldn't because they're not that good. Chargers at Washington, Dallas, yep. uh, Kansas City. Nobody would have them 2-1 and one probably, even though uh, they're looked at as a and good Oakland's team. And Oakland's beat some good teams, too. I mean, they beat Pittsburgh on the road, and Miami's solid. So, And they beat uh, the Ravens. The West is wild, and guess what? The NFC East gets to play all those teams this year. Yeah, and that'll just add to their crappy already crappy record. That it will. And uh, finally, I go. Are you, how much do you believe the Mariners can pull this off? Uh, about five percent. Are you saying that because you don't want to get too excited, or is that your true belief? Both. <laughs> all right, good answer. I mean, it's just it's tough to make up one and a half games when you have five games left to play and as you mentioned the red sox are playing the orioles and nationals they're gonna lose maybe once so who do the mariners play after the a's the angels and uh you beat them what two out of three two out of three on the road so the mariners are still alive nobody's gonna tell you that i feel like i mean i've watched sports center for like the past week just to see if they'll show a mariners highlight and they just skip they show the red Sox and yankees and they show a little bit of blue jays a little bit of blue jays and they show the standings and the mariners are like always above the blue jays or they had been till recently and like oh yeah the mariners are hanging in there but probably not gonna make it the like, anchor the on heck? air thinks it's a misprint so they don't even mention it like, like i want them to make it so bad just so they have to acknowledge the seattle mariners existence <laughs> everybody would talk about how crappy of a wild card game it is because the mariners are in it i mean that's you know that's, that's fine by me that's yeah. more motivation to win all right check out hoistthecolors.net steven thanks for joining us thanks for having me we'll uh talk to you saturday on the bud light pregame tailgate take a time out come back and hear more from mike houston's press conference from earlier today when we return on pirate radio live after this You're listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by Carolina Hardscapes. Making memories with your family and friends is what life is all about. If you have a dream of having a backyard patio fireplace, pool walkways, fire pits, or more, then Carolina Hardscapes is the place to call. Get started on your dreams today at Carolina Hardscapes on Fire Tower Road, across from Bostick Sun Furniture. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. At Angel Oak, they continue to make customer service a number one priority a local mortgage advisor is the key to your transaction success the combination of their local team's experience and angel oaks wide offerings of products from standard conventional government and portfolio loans has something for every financial situation for more information call talbot green joanne weir or wanda hager at 751-2060 now let's head back into prl here's clip brock Alrighty, back with you on this Tuesday edition of Pirate Radio Live. Coming up, if you're listening to our live edition on Tuesday, we got the Players Lounge podcast. You'll hear from Holt Naylor, Rajay Harris, Tyler Sneed, Xavier Smith, Bruce Bivens, and CJ Johnson coming up at 6 o'clock if you missed those on Monday. Coming up Wednesday, we're going to do something a little different. Uh, we're going to play some live trivia on Pirate Radio, on the radio, and on our Facebook and uh youtube as well we'll have rob maloney from dh conley facing off against clay medlin from jh rose a conley rose rivalry trivia battle 
and we're going to do that live uh right after we're done with pirate radio live so that'll be on uh we're going to give our crew time to get everything situated but planning to go on at around 605 610 ish uh and we'll have that live on the air and uh live for you to watch as well so really looking forward to that that'll be a lot of fun coming up after wednesday's edition of pirate radio live you can play along at home and then uh you can come out to aj's on wednesday night and play more sports trivia i've made a lot of questions here in the last couple of days uh getting prepared for this so uh, looking forward to that our trivia brought to you by white claw hard seltzer all right, let's hear more from Mike Houston. Mentioned Aaron Ramsour earlier in the chat with Kevin Monroe, who came in and kind of took over a, a defensive series when Charleston Southern had it in the red zone, and we saw Ramsour flying around. It was good to see him on the field, and Mike Houston gave an update on Aaron Ramsour. This is cut number seven. I think I think Aaron's you know probably back to full go now. You know the big thing is him. You know he he, he just has not been able to practice full speed for a couple of weeks and. You know, it's you, you can't go out there and be prepared to play if you don't. And so I think the big thing for him is just having a great week of practice this week. I know that uh, Coach Harrell was meeting with him earlier today just about, you know, trying to get him back, you know, into the swing of things rotationally. Um, you know, because obviously if, you know, if, 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 we, if we can get him playing at a high level, that just, that just creates so much more depth uh, for us defensively and allows us to do a lot of different things. Uh, you know, with Rob, just don't really know um, the extent right now. Uh, we don't think it's uh, too serious, uh, so but uh, you know we'll know later this week. Injury update there on Rob Vanderland as well, the Pirates' uh, offensive lineman. And speaking of O lineman, we've seen some Trent Holler in the game for East Carolina, and Mike Houston talked about his use uh, along with Avery Jones. Well, Trent actually started the game the other night, so he played a good bit in the first half too, and uh, he actually finished the game against uh, Marshall. So. You know, he's been in the rotation, you know, pretty steadily and playing uh, well. Uh, a- Avery uh, has been uh, playing well also. Avery was dealing with a little bit of an injury deal last week. Uh, he's back and he's fine now. Um, but, you know, there's, there's really not, a, not, a, not any drop-off, you know, mentally uh, between Avery and Trent. Uh, and in fact, that's probably one of Trent's strengths. Um, you know, they're just a, there's a little bit different body types. All right, from uh, there's a lot of things uh, you can criticize ECU's offense on, and and a lot of you have, uh, as well as the offensive coordinator. But one uh, thing I will certainly give them credit for is the splits and the usage on the running back so far this year. Keaton Mitchell has 45 carries. Rajay Harris has 42. Keaton Mitchell has 14 catches. Harris has 11. They're doing a great job of keeping these guys fresh and healthy when they're in the game by splitting up these reps like they've done they, they, i don't know if they tried to make it 50 50 but they've done a pretty darn good job of that through four games thus far and uh, mike houston talked about that working uh, both running backs in well i think i think they're 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 both pushing themselves to play um a little bit better um you know keaton has popped a couple of big plays um you know they they i think one of them has 45 carries, the other one has 43 carries, you know, they're, we're splitting reps with them. So they're both getting, you know, pretty equal touches, which is what we want. We want them both fresh when they're in there. Um, you know, they both want to play better. You know, Rajay obviously wants to, you know, wants to be more productive, but Keaton does also. And I think that's, that's something that's a big stress for us this week is, and I don't want them pushing, you know, to the point that they're, you know, they're, they're, 
too much. You know, it's got it's a feel thing in the run game. Now, both of them, you know, we want them, you know, getting vertical, running behind their pads, you know, doing all those things. Um, you know, but we really need to, you know, continue to bring them along with that offensive line as far as seeing the cuts and making the cuts and being decisive. I think those are the big things. All right, Mike Houston uh, and his team have won some close ball games the last couple of weeks. We were really fired up after the win over Marshall uh, and the way they escaped that one on the road. Less fired up about their home win against Charleston Southern, but he did talk about uh, winning close. Well, you know, it's uh, I think I'd, I'd rather win the close games than lose them. That's for sure. I mean, it's uh, we've we've had our share of close losses in my first couple of years here. And so it's, uh, it was good, great to get a, uh, a good road win at Marshall in a very uh, tight, you know, contested fourth quarter. Um, I think, uh, you know, if you're looking for a positive from last Saturday night, it's, you know, we did not play well. Um, uh, I'm not happy with the way we performed, uh, but we found a way to win the ball game. And so uh, you're obviously in a lot better space than you would be if you had lost that ball game. So I just think that... Uh, you know, being in those late-game situations, uh, there's no substitute for experience. I don't care what kind of experience you're talking about. Uh, you know, the more you're in situations and the more experience you get with them, the more comfortable that you are, uh, you know, in those, in those situations as far as execution. And finally, East Carolina has really struggled on third down this year. 18 of 60, 30% on third downs. Mike Houston was asked uh, how the East Carolina offense can improve on third downs. We've got to be better on first down. That's the biggest problem. You know, if, if we can get our offense in, in third and threes and third and fours, then you're going to see us be a lot more effective on, on third down. If we're going to be in third and nines and third and elevens, then we're not going to be very effective. And that's those are the biggest issues. And you know, it's it, it was the issue the other night is just you know we, we've got to be more productive on the early downs, uh, drive the football better. Uh, you know, it's just you, you can't continually get yourselves in, in third and longs. Those are those are challenging situations for you offensively. It's what we try to do defensively. You know, we our big thing on defense is you know try to play well on first and second down, get it to third down, and win third down. Uh, but if you're if you're sitting third and two defensively all the time, you're going to struggle on third downs. So um, that's the big thing is just being more productive on the early downs. All right, there are the comments from Mike Houston earlier today at his weekly press conference, Pirates and Green Wave, 3.30 on ESPN Plus uh, and at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Pirates have had some good home crowds this year. I'm expecting uh, that to be the same this Saturday. A huge game for this East Carolina football team. And uh, we'll be with you 1130 uh, Saturday morning on the Bud Light pregame tailgate. Let's take a timeout. Come back. We'll wrap it up when we return on Pirate Radio Live on a Tuesday after this. You're listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by Carolina Hardscapes. Making memories with your family and friends is what life is all about. If you have a dream of having a backyard patio fireplace, pool walkways, fire pits, or more, then Carolina Hardscapes is the place to call. Get started on your dreams today at Carolina Hardscapes on Fire Tower Road, across from Bostick Sun Furniture. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Taking a quick look at your stock market report. It was a rough day. The Dow dropped 569 points and closed at 34,000. 
299. The Nasdaq was down 423 at 14,546. And the S&P fell 90 points and closed at 4,352. That's your Wells Fargo Advisors financial report. For a personal look into investing, call Wells Fargo Advisors today at 756-6900 in Greenville. Wells Fargo Advisors, LLC, member SIPC. And a quick look at your Buck scoreboard. One Major League Baseball game going on right now. The Mets lead the Marlins 3-2 in the bottom of the fifth. Orioles and Red Sox play at 7 o'clock right here on Pirate Radio. And that is a look at your Buck scoreboard brought to you by the Buccaneer Music Hall. It's your beacon of music in the land of the Pirates in ENC. They, uh, they are open from noon until 2 a.m. with live music every night. And during football season, they have food trucks during the day. Follow the Buck on Facebook and Instagram for an updated schedule. See you at the Buck. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Clip Rock. All right, big night of Major League Baseball. Red Sox need to win. Keep their standing in the second wild card spot. The Yankees and Blue Jays play at the Rogers Center. It's going to be a zoo there as the Blue Jays try to catch up with the Yankees in the wild card. Igo's Mariners playing the A's tonight uh, in a home game. That's uh, going to be a packed house. And the folks in Atlanta fired up as the Braves will try to further their lead in the NL East. Um, that is uh, what's going on tonight in Major League Baseball on the Buccaneer Music Hall scoreboard. Da Buck. Da Buck. A stat to consider as we get out of here. Stat to consider. On a Tuesday, the last time East Carolina beat Tulane in a football game, Bryce Williams had three catches for 23 yards. It's been a long time since East Carolina's beaten Tulane. You got to go all the way back to 2014. So we're due to beat the Green Wave. I believe that is when Justin Hardy broke the record for all-time reception. Hardy was all, he wouldn't leave the game and let me get in. They were like, well, we're going to get Justin's record here. He had nine catches. Coach, I only got three catches. He gave me three targets. I got three catches on three targets. Daggum. We'll talk to Bryce Williams Wednesday on Pirate Radio Live. Shirley Chandler, we'll see you then. Thanks for tuning in today and also being a part of today's program, folks. We'll be back with you Wednesday, 3 o'clock, for an all-new edition of Pirate Radio Live. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to Pirate Radio Live, an exclusive presentation of the voice of the Pirate Nation.